Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Now, in uh, January of 2017, when the 
Supreme Court decided to uh, reverse a lower court's positive decision for us. Uh, well, actually, not even that. They refused to even hear the case that had been reversed by the appeals case court um, previously. So essentially, the Supreme Court refused to even listen, and so the case wasn't even considered on the merits. It was just simply uh, reversed by an appeals court on the basis of a moot technicality, uh, an issue of standing. And what do you think is the real uh, reason why you know that happened? It, it's uh, Actually, that's where I was going with is, you know, any updates and then how things have been going with the movement. And it sounds like uh, not, not so good. What do you think is the, the real reason behind that? Well, I, I suppose it could be a couple things. Uh, first of all, the, you know, since the last time I was on, we did have the positive decision that had taken place uh, from uh, district court and then going up to the federal court system. And that had actually determined that the, Polygamy law in the state of Utah, in the particular case that was being considered, it had struck down the cohabitation clause and had redefined the purports clause to limit the definition of purported marriage only to purporting legally licensed marriages. So that effectively, de facto polygamy was no longer a crime up until it then went up to the appeals court in Denver, Colorado, at the Tenth Circuit, and then they reversed it, saying that because the Brown family had left the state and was living in another state that they no longer had legal standing to pursue it. So essentially, it gave them a reason to not hear the case at all whatsoever, you know, sort of uh, pass the football into the future, if you will, rather than actually deal with it now, because it actually would have – the case would have actually allowed us to actually have de facto polygamy uh, no longer be against the law. So it really seems like that when the – Appeals Court reversed it in 2016 uh, simply on the basis of the technicality rather than on any argument. It really was a, a giving up, and then the Supreme Court, uh, it was appealed up finally to the last court of the court of last resort. They pretty much didn't seem to want to even think about it, and so they just said, yeah, they declined to even hear it. So it really was a, a big frustration for us. Uh, the, the combination of that with the fact that the only media attention now that uh, we do seem to get is uh, from reality TV. Uh, and, of course, reality TV has its limitations of what it can actually do for us. And that's other, outside of that, it's been a uh, – we've had the challenges uh, both with the uh, social media and the censorship process. You, know, you hear a lot about conservatives saying that they're being throttled. Uh, we absolutely are being throttled. Uh, in, in our particular situation. So that's definitely been a, a difficult in terms of getting our words out, uh, getting our message out. So it's it, it been a struggle. Uh, you know, a, a setback really is the way to define it, but we, we know we're going forward. Uh, we are, are faithful. We know that the real win-win solution for all sides, whether you're conservative, whether you're liberal, whether you're libertarian, uh, the, the real win-win solution for everybody when it comes to the marriage debate is to get government out of it altogether, that, and that is the polygamy rights win-win solution. Abolish all marriage control for unrelated consenting adults. And then nobody has to worry about who's defining it what way or the other way or some other way. Nobody has to have their beliefs forced upon others or others don't have to uh, have, or others are unable to force their values or beliefs on others. The bottom line is everybody would be free if government wasn't involved in defining it. And, Eventually, that's what we believe is the real solution, and we believe that people will eventually come to realize 
that's true the true freedom that we all really want and hope for, no matter who we are and what side of the aisle we are. You know, and I find it kind of interesting that uh, on social media, I mean, would you, you know, elaborate or would, would you even feel comfortable elaborating on which, I mean, there's only two main social medias out there. I mean, I know there's also like LinkedIn, but there's also, of course, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, would you say Twitter and Facebook are, are doing that? I'm not that kind of, I'm kind of surprised with that, the, the way they are. Well, well, certainly with Facebook, Facebook has absolutely uh, been a been a really big throttler. You know, we you know, just the fact that uh, for every every hundred people that like your page, only two percent or less will actually ever see it or see the post. And we actually our stats aren't even getting that high. Um, you know, so it's definitely been it, it's been enormously frustrating. Uh, so the basically it's it's. Sort of a, if a if a tree falls in the woods, does anybody hear it? You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> that, that's we have definitely seen that. We've seen it. Uh, we've seen it happen with Google uh, with the search results uh, that they're burying burying us with uh, things that aren't what wow. we're about. So we have definitely had a. It's been a all around. The platforms have definitely been censoring and controlling now what people see and hear. Well, that's for sure. I mean, you know, and, but I'm just kind of. Uh, Surprised because a lot of folks, I would imagine. Uh, now I'm not saying this is the uh, the spectrum you're you're coming from, or or, or the side you're coming from. But you would think a lot of folks uh, would believe that. Uh, and I want to make a little thing you, you mentioned about uh, reality TV, which you know sometimes it's not always reflective of reality. Uh, I would say, uh, but with, but with the social media, you you would think that you know the legalization or or the uh, criminalization of Polygamy, a lot of people would actually see it, and that's not the stance I know you take, but a lot of folks would see that as actually like a liberal issue. And one of the main complaints is that social media, and, I'm, and I'm, I think it's accurate, uh, is more towards you know, more conservative, uh, you know, leaning, uh, you know, topics and issues and, and speech. Uh, but that, so that kind of surprises me. But I guess um, now when you're putting your your posts on Facebook and you say you know Twitter and maybe in Google, I mean, I mean, do you have like um, where it's an obvious? Uh, I don't want to <laughs> phrase this. I mean, can they tell you're coming from you know maybe a more conservative uh, line when it comes to addressing uh, the issue, or, or what do you think? Well, I, I would certainly say that. The you 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 can't really say that polygamy is a a liberal issue uh, for our, for for sure. I will say, however, this we have basically taken a both sides uh, approach in terms of how we would uh, persuade, because we know that we have to persuade both conservatives and liberals to basically allow us to have the freedom the Constitution already says we're supposed to have. Uh, and so we recognize that when it comes to liberals, all you've got to use is the Tolerance dogma, and say, "Boom, that's it. Drop the mic." You know, the uh, tolerance dogma automatically requires a liberal to automatically accept unrelated consenting adults making a free choice of their relationships. Boom, there it is. But we don't see that because of their favorable support for big government. Now, nah, what there we you have go. Done is we we have more focused on what we consider the House of Cards strategy. And that is, is that if you consider every floor 
of a house of cards as a political constituency. We see the first floor of the house of cards is that of conservative Christians. And so our strategy is actually is to use the arguments of conservatives and of Christians to persuade conservatives and Christians of, one, how the Bible never created the invented man-made one-man, one-woman doctrine, and how the if you say you believe in the Bible, you absolutely cannot believe in the abomination of government marriage control criminalizing polygamy or thinking polygamy is a sin when you've got so many heroes in the Bible that were polygamists. And then two, if you believe as a conservative and limited government, you absolutely positively cannot accept the idea of big government marriage control interfering in the free choices of unrelated consenting adult polygamy. You absolutely can't if you believe in limited government, especially when you say you believe in the Tenth Amendment that says if it's not in the Constitution, the federal government's not supposed to be involved. Well, guess what? The word marriage is not in the Constitution. So guess what? Polygamy can't be banned by the federal government. The only reason it was allowed to be so banned was because of the Marill Anti-Bigamy Act of 1862, which was a jurisdictional management law for the Utah Territory that they knew that the Tenth Amendment prohibited them from banning polygamy in the states because of the Tenth Amendment. So they instead used a jurisdictional management law that was allowed by Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2, that allowed for the management of jurisdiction that is not inside a state, that that's how they got around it, and that's how that law was able to be taken. But you start dealing with anti-polygamy in the states, and the federal constitution prohibits the federal government from being involved. So what we are doing is we are persuading both Christians and conservatives that if you believe in the Bible, you have to absolutely recognize it never created the anti-polygamy doctrine. And if you believe in limited government, you absolutely cannot believe in having a marriage amendment or government involved in marriage whatsoever at all. And at the end of the day, no one in the Bible was ever married by big government. So that's really the, what we're doing is that by persuading that constituency, we seek to kick out the first floor of the house of cards of anti-polygamy thinking because we recognize other constituencies such as cultural conservatives who would like to see abandoned single mothers get off welfare and have alternative options that might be better for them. You know, certainly a, the abandoned single mom might enjoy or might prefer the option or the choice of a proven married family that already exists and that wants to join and be part of that as well as opposed to being a hamster in a wheel working just to pay for daycare or to go on welfare. So cultural conservative constituency, that floor, that political floor can come crashing down as the first floor had already crashed down. Liberals with, whether it's feminists who believe women have a right to choose and if a woman wants to choose polygamy, a feminist floor, they have to absolutely accept this. And then you start dealing with any other floor of the political constituencies out there, and people really eventually, they can just care less what consenting adults choose to do. But to get all that done, we have to first persuade that first floor of the conservative Christians. And that's what we're actually trying to do. And we have targeted a very specifically conservative and Christian argument to persuade that constituency. But I'll tell you, now that we've gone through an entire upheaval with the recent election of the recent president, uh, the, what's Republican, what's Democrat, what's conservative, what's liberal? Ah, it's all thrown off into the world. Nothing means anything anymore. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, one, one thing that, you know, I find interesting, you know, you, you, you know, bring this up, you mentioned the election is, you know, you know, with, uh, uh, with Donald, you know, the election of Donald Trump is, you know, how many, you know, definitely the Democrats, you know, are, you know, hate him. Uh, and then of course there are some Republicans, you know, that hate him as well. But the thing that I find interesting is, especially for the Democrats, is one, I mean, you guys loved him before he was a politician. And two, uh, you know, he's not really a Republican. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, he's not your, uh, your run-of-mill establishment, you know, Republican. Uh, and also, you know, find it interesting that the same people who are screaming for decades, you know, how we need to do something about the corruption of our, of our government, you know, our big government. And, and now you've got somebody, in my opinion – uh, at least that's in office that's trying to expose, you know, that type of uh, corruption, you know, to the people. And, you know, he's just getting hit le- left and right from the very people who are screaming, we need to expose corruption. And, and now they're hating him for it, uh, you know, because the way that the media is, is handling it. Well, so, I, I, mean, I, yeah, I would I mean, not I think, disagree with, with anything you just said there. Yeah, I, mean, I would and, not disagree you know, at all. And, 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 and there's so many other issues, you know, such as this, that I just – I think with all the noise out there, especially with this, uh, you know, whole impeachment thing, and, and, you know, and that's all you hear about. I mean, really, that's all – I mean, we don't hear about the people's work. I mean, literally, this is all we hear about. And so subjects yes. like this that are near and dear to your heart, you know, the, uh, the polygamy movement is something near and dear to my heart, uh, which is, you know, the – the space program, the space race, and, and what other countries or you know nations are doing, uh, like China militarizing space, and, and we're getting behind. And those things are just everything is just you know just is just blind, uh, you know blinded out you know because all the all the political noise going on with this this whole impeachment thing and hate Trump and trying to get rid of Trump. I would agree that there is a massive amount of distraction, uh, and I refer to. The manufactured news corporations that basically make money, they may sound like they hate Trump, but they actually love Trump because Trump makes them money. And the, you know, the, more, the more they get the people in the masses, the more they, the more they get the people, people angry and, and fighting each other and, and going off into angry tribalism, left versus right, right versus left, which actually – I think everybody's gone so far off to one side that there there is no more definition anymore. You know, the, we 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 forgot that the original basis of when the Constitution was ratified was the Federalists versus the Anti-Federalists, and now we're we're in such a place that now we even think the Federalists are the ones who are right on the right are on the right. <laughs> you know, it's 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 really it's 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 lunatic that we are so far into totalitarianism and so far into uh, the distraction of non-issues all because it makes the corporations money. It's not about the actual issues, the work of the people, as you mentioned earlier. And so, and yes, all of that also is contributory to the frustration we have with the national political rights movement of consenting adults is that we want to be heard and we want to have our freedom and we're having to watch all this distraction, foolishness, noise go on. Yeah, certainly, and I've never seen so much hatred out there as well. I mean, I've been following you know politics for thirty thirty plus years, and I've never seen I've never seen the the the, the climate of you know, the two opposing ideologies, you know, the two main two ideologies, 
you know, the, the hatred that one feels for the other. I mean, including for myself. Yeah. I mean, there's times I find myself saying, God, I hate these liberals, you know, but um, <laughs> and again, but nothing's getting done. We're just getting all this uh, minutia out there and all this fighting. Um, and one of the questions I want to bring, bring up for yourself, because, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, you know, well, last time you were on, we talked about, you know, the LGBT, well, all those alphabet you know, communities and, you know, and even illegal, you know, illegal immigrants who aren't even citizens of the country. And you have, you know, the ACLU is always coming out, but you really don't hear much from them anymore. But you would think with what you're trying to do, I mean, has anyone from the ACLU approached you or you guys – have you guys ever approached the ACLU with, with what you're trying to do to, you know, again, they're supposed to be about, you know, freedom and liberty and things of that nature. I don't, I don't really believe they are, but, I mean, they try to at least say that they are. <laughs> well, the, the only extent that we've gotten anything from the ACLU was the – on the issue – in the beginning, I believe it was, of the Brown v. Buman case that was rising up to the Supreme Court that eventually got declined. I believe they had issued – something to some uh, uh, amicus that was saying that they were uh, supportive of free speech and that uh, the the issue of the law that was being challenged in that particular case was that essentially the two parts that were made, that made polygamy a, a crime, which it's really ridiculous. And anybody hearing me now speak should sit down and listen to how absolutely obnoxiously tyrannical this actually is. And that is the law said that you were guilty of committing bigamy, which doesn't mean the secondary marriage beyond the first legally allowed marriage. So bigamy doesn't mean two. It actually means secondary. So that's how you can have two counts of bigamy with three wives because it would be the first secondary and the second secondary of the two counts of bigamy you'd be charged with. But the way the law is actually written is that you can be charged with bigamy for just for having one legally married license with one woman and actually just cohabiting with another woman as well or just purporting that she's a wife. The mere free speech act of just purporting, even if you haven't gotten the marriage license, that itself is enough to be worthy of five years in jail per count. That's how ridiculous ridiculous. and obnoxious this was. It's absolutely – why does that need to be something that's jailed? Now, we're talking about fraud. That's another matter. If you're talking about dishonest bigamy and the wives don't know each other, even existed, sort of like a, an airplane pilot has wives in different cities, that's a different matter. But we're talking about honest polygamy where everybody, all the unrelated consenting adults, we're talking about they're not incestuous or unrelated. We're talking about consent, so it's not coercion. We're talking about adults, so we're not talking about minors. UCAP, unrelated consenting adult polygamists, that still is a crime, and that's what was at issue in the case that was going up to the Supreme Court and the ACLU did support the free speech aspect of it, recognizing that it's ridiculous to make free speech a crime, uh, which basically just purporting to be a polygamist makes it a crime. That That's what they were against. But outside of that, we don't get much support from the ACLU. And, and, and that's because, of course, you know, it's not something that we are uh, – it's not that this is really a specifically liberal issue either. Well, and I think that's all they and, – and that's what I was alluding to earlier is that because that is not the case, you know, they say they're the, the American Civil Liberties Union, right? Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I, I truly think they're anything but. I think they're just there to try to, um, you know, promote uh, whatever is considered, you know, the liberal values, uh, 
you know, and I think those are the only things that I, I think they're truly, you know, trying to uh, to protect, and not anything such as what you're doing, or at least right. trying to, well, right? Right, exactly. The, the The difficulty is that the what the the liberals do actually want to try to do when it comes to something related to polygamy is to try to uh, distract it with a thing called polyamory, which basically means multiple loves. But the difference between polyamory and polygamy is the difference between dating and marriage. In in that 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 one is a, doesn't require the level of commitment that marriage is. And so so they're basically looking for different, you know, open relationships and all that kind of a thing. And again, in a free America, it's not big government's decision to be involved in uh controlling and defining what unrelated consenting adults choose to do in their relationships. But if they, but that's the only where place where or direction where or thought process where the ACLU will be more inclined to want to focus their attention. And the same thing for those who are more on the specific, we're not about actual freedom, but we're for the tribalism of one side of the politics called liberalism, then that's where those type, that tribe tends to uh, find uh, a willingness to support well, and see, that's the thing where, you know, I think, you know, liberalism has been hijacked by what is, you know, called the, the left, where liberals, uh, you know, I heard someone say the other night where they say, you know, liberals and conservatives actually have more in common than what's, you know, considered, you know, the far left or the left, uh, where, you know, they're, you would, they're supposed to be, liberals are supposed to be about, you know, liberties, right? But that's, you know, they're supposed to be, but... Uh, now, when you think of you know liberals, you automatically think of you know the socialists, the left, because a lot of the people who who you know at least tout themselves as liberals uh, are espousing you know a lot of the things, uh, whether because they think it's for survival or they actually believe in it, uh, you know, are espousing things you know well, from the, the far the left, word, which, the is a, which is which is anti freedom. Yes, oh, I agree with that. The, the words have flipped in their meanings. So that is, if actually, if you said the word liberal in the 1800s. What's now referred to as classic liberalism, it would be a limited government, liberty-oriented type of belief system. It absolutely would be. It would be something very positive and something to be very proud of, uh, being uh, supportive of. That is not the case of what we now have. You know, it, it's what we watch is words get their meanings get changed. And for example, the issue with one man, one woman, and polygamy and the Bible is that very often people will try to suggest from the Christian perspective that supposedly polygamy uh, is supposedly a sin, and they'll try to suggest it's adultery, for example. But the word adultery, where it says that in Exodus 20, verse 14, in the chapter, excuse me, in the seventh of the Ten Commandments, the word was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew, and the word itself was naaf, which actually means woman who breaks wedlock. And so as long as no woman's breaking her wedlock, no Adultery had actually occurred. Now, we can discuss the inegalitarianism of that, and that's another matter. But if we actually look at what the word said and what it meant when it was actually written, that's what that word actually meant. Because you go only just the next chapter later in Exodus 21.10, and it begins with saying that if he take him another wife, her food, her raiment, and her duty of marriage shall he not diminish. So automatically it's regulating polygamy in the very next chapter after the thou shalt not commit adultery. I said that to basically point out that that's how, one, it's not – polygamy is not adultery according to the Bible. And then, two, 
how word meanings change, that adultery, as it was written, had an original meaning when it gave us the Seventh Commandment, and now we have a completely completely changed meaning of the word adultery today. The same thing, if you had said something that was written and you said it was the gay 90s, if you had said that 120 years ago, that would have meant something completely different than it would have meant if you wrote it 20 years ago. That's true. Absolutely. And so the same thing, whether it's adultery, whether it's gay, whether it's the meaning of the word liberal, it's the same thing. The words have flipped in their meanings. That's right. And you would think that uh, those who, um, you know, I mean, such as, you know, the, you know, gay, lesbian, all those different communities, you think as, you know, they're, they're talking, you know, they want the freedom to express themselves and have their, you know, like what people have dubbed, you know, gay marriage or things of that nature. You would think that they would, you know, be open to forming, no, two things. One, you would think that they would be open to forming maybe a coalition or alliance with you know your group, and you know at least order in order to, you know, you know get the look like look this isn't what you you normally you know, I don't know I mean I don't know really how to, to word that but you would think that they'd, they'd be open to making a coalition except that most of your people nah, see I, I don't want to paint people in a broad brush because you do have folks. You know who are you know gay and lesbian and, and they're religious as well or that they're they, you know are Christian as well. But I say usually the ones that you don't they're you know they're anti-religious because for some reason they think that you know the Bible and actually I mean there's actually more in the Bible through my understanding of it. I mean I'm not a theologian. Uh, that's actually more against uh, you know homosexuality than it is polygamy. But that being said, well, that is correct. Yeah, I mean, it, it says it's an, an aberration in the Bible. You know, I mean, as I said, I'm not a theologian, but, you know, I've studied enough, uh, and I was a, a theology, almost a theology minor in, in college. Um, you know, but you would think that it's still because, you know, it's like, well, we want our rights and, and to be able to get, you know, have their, to get married. But then for folks in your in your camp, you know, they should support you and your right, you know, and, and that's where I think where the coalition could come from to, to, to give you guys more voices on your issue. I mean, what's, what's your well, thoughts on that? that ex- I would agree with that, except that I think that, as we were discussing a moment ago, that our current tribalism uh, it really has mm. the left so caught up in intersectionalism that it has an all or nothing and that uh, you have to all be leftists in order to get support. Uh, and I, and I, I, don't, I would say the true thing is true on the side of the right as well. The tribalism is, is vehement and angry and hostile on both sides. There's no question about that. And so I don't know that that would necessarily be the case. The one thing that I have used in order to point out the irony, the biggest irony about the whole LGBT situation is that there is one letter in that those four letters, or maybe now it's LGBTQ and, and other things that are added, but just for the sake of simplicity, I'll start with the first four, LGBT. There is one letter in those four, that that side is completely neglecting to consider marriage rights. And that's the B of LGBT, that if all others have the rights according to their belief system, then why doesn't the B, which stands for bisexual, say, for example, if in their belief system, they believe that bisexuals are every much right as 
the lesbians and as the gay and as the transsexuals and transgendered or whichever the T is supposed to stand for. I apologize for not knowing the exact correct word for the T. Of the oh, I, I don't know all of them either. The, there's so many. Uh, not to be crass, I mean, but no there's just so many anybody, of them now. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But I, and I mean no disrespect either way. I mean, it could be one or the other. But bottom right, line is, is that, say, and you could, you, there is actually a contingent of those who want marriage, do they want one of both? And they want to have a bisexual three-part three, three marriage, and they want to have that kind of a thing. That's the B of LGBT, but no, you don't hear anything about the rights of the B of LGBT from the supporters of LGBT. You don't hear anything about that hardly ever. In fact, if anything, it almost should just say LGBT. Is pretty much the way they seem to be about that. So my point being is that for those that would want to have a polygamous relationship within, L, within the, the use of a bee, for example, uh, a man with two women, if that's the way the women want to choose to be, uh, then that, that would be their relationship. Now, that's not something that I would necessarily advocate for religiously, but I would absolutely say that any unrelated consenting adults have the right freedom of choice to choose a relationship that way if they so choose. Regardless, so because my solution says it doesn't matter what I religiously believe. It doesn't matter what you religiously believe. It doesn't matter what somebody else religiously believes. Government doesn't have the authority to license, define, and control the contractual arrangements of unrelated consenting adults. And so whether they want to have a religious marriage, whether they want to have a marriage of a man and two bisexual women, if they want to have a marriage of two men, two women, whatever – the bottom line is is that they have the choice without the involvement of government. But notice something. I'm saying government doesn't have the authority to be involved in the first place. So whether same-sex marriage is a valid marriage, a legal marriage, or even real according to the definition of marriage because of the absence of coitus uh, for, for similar uh, gender uh, genitalia to be able to uh, have conjoining, then – if you can't have, regardless of what you would define marriage, if government's not involved, then it doesn't matter if you don't agree with what somebody else calls marriage. They have the freedom to imagine what they want to imagine. They have the freedom to do what they want to do, and you have the freedom to do what you want to do, and no one has the right to impose upon the other. So at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter when you realize a limited government protects the liberty and freedom of everybody, regardless of what side you're at. But right now, our politics is so poisoned with the noise and the hatred of the left or the right, the right to the left, and everybody's so uh, tribally intersectional on their side. That's true, and I mean, and, I'm, and I do wonder whether that is, you know, that is done, you know, purposefully. I mean, I really do. I think that, yeah, that might be done purposely for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know exactly. Well, I mean, I've got my own inklings on on why, but you know, I mean, it's better to have us divided than united. Cause then we'll then the powers that be would actually, you know, be exposed, I think, uh, more exposed. And I think the media is complicit uh, with that as well. I'm sure you heard the term, you know, uh, past couple of years, you know, the deep state. And, and I truly believe that it does exist. Yeah. And I think one of their strategies is to keep us uh, divided. I would agree with that. You know, I look at it as uh, I, I, I have a term called imposer versus imposer politics. And so what happens when you have imposer versus imposer? An imposer wins always, no matter which side wins. And if you actually go back to 1900, you will discover that there is an equal distribution of the number of presidential terms served by a Democrat or served by a, a, pre, a Republican. 
You know, so it's it, it's a back and forth of one form of imposed imposition versus another form of imposition, and we're, it's basically what side do you prefer to impose upon others, and what side does the other side prefer to impose on others? And so that it's not really a majority rules. It's really it's 97% voting for imposition. So whether it's one side or the other, both sides are voting for imposition. I'll tell you what, I think uh, yeah, that sounds a lot like uh, one of our callers, and your friend John, he, he talks about that, you know, in different in different terms, uh, different language, but he, he talks about that a lot, uh, you know, on there. Now, one of the things, um, what, what do you think that actually, I mean, besides getting rid of all the noise we're talking about, I mean, what do you think, is it, if it's even possible at this point, uh, but let's let's pretend that you know it is. And I'm not sure I shouldn't say pretend because I mean perhaps it is just not in the, the the current climate that that we know we're in right now. But what do you think besides getting rid of the noise, um, you know, can actually be put out there to benefit or you know to get either more people listening to uh, what you're trying to promote or or even support what you're you're looking to promote. I mean, what do you think would need to happen? Whether it's you know through elections, whether if you're concerned about the way the makeup of the, the court is, the Supreme Court is, you know, or just is it just public awareness, or maybe it's just even just as simple as time. I mean, what, what do you think you know need to happen to, to have what your goals are to reach fruition? I do believe that on an individual basis as human beings to human beings, that ultimately that is what we have to do in life is that we are engaging with our own fellow human beings and that the value of human beings and our individuality is what matters. And I think that as we look at the noise that we're seeing, and we're realizing that the, the the manufactured news corporations are laughing all the way to the bank every time we get mad. And they love to have any kind of news report that gets one side angry at the other. And so that's why, really, uh, President Donald Trump is a goldmine for the manufactured news corporations. They absolutely, absolutely is best for their bottom line. Love, love, love it. Because they can they will say anything, and then they will – not only that, they will manufacture stuff because that's actually what my own experience has been with the manufactured news corporations that they want to take bits from what I say and then make a story out of it or require me to have a circus act to put a family on display, put them in legal jeopardy, but not actually help them. Mm-hmm. So I recognize that the manufactured news corporations, they take raw material of tidbits of news and then put it together and spin it and twist it and be able to then antagonize the masses. So well, I think through educating ourselves – That's a great way of putting aware, that. <laughs> well, that's why I call them the manufactured news corporations. You know, it, it, they're, it's, it, they're not individuals. I, I believe that liberty is, is an individual thing. I don't believe you – know, corporations really are just mini governments. that they, they only exist because government fiat says they exist. And so, really, their their you know their their corporations are essentially just mini governments that are the offspring of government. And that when you take media corporations, it makes it even worse. And so, there's not a a human connection, the the human reality. The reason we created a government with our well, originally the Articles of Confederation, and then our, finally we perfected it with a constitution and then the Bill of Rights uh, in order to make sure that we protected the rights of individuals. The 
we have to basically be about understanding it is the humanity and the individuals that we are is what everything is all about and all for us. And so because of that, we have to recognize that there are individuals with other understandings and other insights and other knowledges. And so the problem is we are now so caught up in our tribalism that we want to impose on somebody. But you know something? Whenever you impose on someone, you yourself are the cause of their opposition. Because think of it, if someone wants to impose on you, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether it's gun control from one side or marriage control from the other. It is a natural human response to respond to imposition with opposition. And so the more you generate that battle of imposition, the more you generate that battle of opposition. But if you want to remove that opposition, remove the imposition. Stop imposing on people, and you will have a removal of their opposition to it. Once you do that, you have eliminated the existential threat that you pose to people when you stop imposing on them. And so if we as individuals personally commit ourselves to a, a, a rewording of the, the golden rule, and that is do not unto others as you would have to not do unto you, the reverse double negative golden rule, if you will, and that if we say, I will not impose on you, you will not impose on me, and government, we, and no one, let me start again. I will not impose on you. You will not impose on me. And no one will use government or media to impose on anyone else. Boom. I just removed any existential threat that you may think I pose to you. Now you trust me. Now you feel safe with me. Now you're willing to work with me to solve the real problems together with me rather than being fearful. But instead, what do we do? We say, no, we must impose. No, we must, we must impose marriage control. We must impose gun control. And then automatically that imposition creates opposition. The opposition rises up, obviously. And then what do we do? We demoralize, we dehumanize, and we demonize them and say how bad and evil and horrible these people are for opposing our imposition. And that's the fighting that just gets angrier and angrier. But what we need to do as individuals is to recognize the beauty and the value and the awesomeness that is the individual as a human being and recognize that imposition is the cause, that imposition creates the opposition. And that when we say, I will no longer impose on others and they will no longer impose on me, then we can finally start solving our real problems. And while we do so, we have to recognize the, the manufactured news corporations are not media. They're, they're a twisting in order to exploit our emotions against us. And we have to outsmart that, be aware of it, and realize and be able to see through the twistedness of the manufactured news corporation so that we're no longer manipulated by it, and then we can start helping each other. So I, I say the, really it's a bottom-up approach that each one of us commit ourselves to not imposing on others, get rid, of, get rid of that. I call it imposerism, if you will. And when I remove that from myself and you remove that from yourself and everybody else removes that from themselves all self-willingly, then finally we can work together and solve problems because we're no longer posing threats to each other. That, that's my, my overall philosophical view and answer to your question. <laughs> Oh no, it was, it was man. I was uh, I was utterly uh, enthralled by it. It's really fascinating stuff. I mean, I, I actually I, I mentioned earlier that I am uh, uh, minored in theology. Um, actually, on the on the flip side of that, 
Uh, I've almost almost had a my I almost graduated with four minors. <laughs> my major was political. Yeah, my my major was political science, and I, uh, you know, and then my I do have two minors, which are environmental studies and peace studies. And if I would have taken one more one more semester of like four classes, I would have also got minors in which I probably should have done it, but I, I think I would either tired of school or just want to graduate or, or just get tired of spending the money uh, <laughs> or, or not a combination of all of them. Right. I'm sorry. I said, or not be yeah, a professional I, student, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. And so, I mean, if I would have taken one more semester, I would have graduated with four minors <laughs> and those other two would have wow. been uh, theology and philosophy. Yeah. No, I understand. Well, I got two, uh, degrees, in, uh, like two degrees at the same time. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, where did I hear that from? I don't know if it was um, if I if I read that somewhere or I. You know what? Actually, I was listening to. Uh, I remember li- I was listening to our prior co- podcast uh, with you on on. Mm-hmm. And actually, I want to bring something up that I'll. You know, since, you know, folks haven't listened to the one or, or it's pretty far back. We could bring it up now. Um, is one thing you do mention a lot. You know, uh, in the previous show. You know, back those too many quick ago years ago was about the 10th amendment and you know how that uh you know not by abiding by the uh, the 10th amendment is actually getting away with what you're trying to do could you clarify that just a little more what you're saying i know about the 10th well amendment, you you, we'll, you, we'll you i'm trying to, to remember exactly what you what you said about the about the 10th amendment and how the 10th amendment applies to you know the Either legalization or decriminalization of, okay. of polygamy, okay. and, and even you said even being yep. even even try, you know announcing like yes you know I am you know the the co-spouse or you know or co-wife or whatever mm-hmm. or someone else and that can land you in jail. Right. All right. I understand what you're saying. The the best understanding of how our government authority and individual rights are solidified is through understanding the combination of the Ninth and Tenth Amendments and how they're expressly making it the opposite when it comes to the government versus individuals. And that is that the Tenth Amendment says that if it's not in the Constitution, the federal government is prohibited from doing it, and that such rights are reserved to the states or to the people. Now, very often people will make the mistake and think that it means it's all states' rights, but then they forget the last four words says, or to the people, and that there are rights of individuals that supersede any rights of the state. So the 10th Amendment is not a free-for-all for states to override the individual liberty rights of individuals just because of those last four words of the 10th Amendment. So the reverse of that in the Ninth Amendment says it doesn't have to be in the Constitution for individuals to have their rights. So meaning just because it's not written in the Constitution, it doesn't mean that individuals don't have those rights. You know, For example, this is where the idea of uh, the right to not to have uh, the surveillance state that we now have or the corporate surveillance state that we now have, that kind of a thing. So the, the fact that rights don't have to be written in the Constitution to exist, but authority and executed policy of the federal government has to be expressly written in the government for the government to have the authority in the first place. It's the complete opposite of authority for government has to be limited to what's written 
rights of individuals do not have to be limited at all to what's written in the Constitution. And so this really helps us to understand that. So in the same way, for example, that uh, conservatives were upset about Obamacare saying that by the Tenth Amendment, you know, that nowhere is that authorized in the federal Constitution. Well, the same is true for the word marriage. The word marriage doesn't appear anywhere in the Constitution. And that's why the Tenth Amendment actually shows you that the anti-polygamy laws were and are unconstitutional purely on the basis of the Tenth Amendment as well as individual rights of freedom of assembly and, and freedom of speech and freedom of – well, even freedom of religion, really. But the – and the fact that rights don't have to be identified specifically within it. So you can have a right to marriage by the Ninth Amendment without it having to be listed in the Constitution, but the fact that marriage is not written in the Constitution shows the Tenth Amendment says government's not allowed to do it at all. You know, the, the truth is marriage existed before the invention of government, and marriage will exist if government ever collapses. Marriage is an individual fundamental liberty right of the individual, and government has no authority to license to find and control the relationships of unrelated consenting adults. And that's why it is wholly unconstitutional. And the irony is that we hear about this slippery slope of same-sex marriage to polygamy. But the truth of the matter is that it was anti-polygamy laws being the first to absolutely get government involved where the Tenth Amendment prohibited involved in marriage control is what was the true slippery slope that led to causing same-sex marriage as being even a considered concept. Because if there had never been government defining, licensing, and controlling marriage in the first place, then those who pursued the legalization process for same-sex marriage would have had no standing, and they would have had no incentive to even try. They wouldn't have cared. They wouldn't have pursued it. So there would be no such thing as the modern construct, the modern invention of this thing we call same-sex marriage. That never would have happened had the anti-polygamists not first created the law, giving government the authority that the Tenth Amendment says it doesn't have in marriage control. Does that so, answer well, I mean, your question? Now, yes, and, and so what I, I think what I'm thinking now is in order to I mean, you know, because you get the you know state laws, federal laws, and you know, but and it's going to take you know, as you said, the decriminalization or legalization. You know, it kind of sounds like we're talking about you know the marijuana laws, don't it? Um, but and, and now, do you think that? Oh no, that's that's a question for later. Uh, but I mean, legislatively, I mean, what do you uh, when we see things legislatively and maybe even judicially? Because uh, you know, we of course the courts have to you know chime in too, I guess, at some point. Um, but do you think it, it's going to take? You know, like national legislation in order to get things decriminalized, or just leave it to the because it's going to have to go through laws. I mean, we, I mean, it's going to have to do that. Yes. I mean, so is it going to be like you know, come from the top down, or do you believe uh, the way to for you know your goals to see fruition would be more of uh, you know seeing legislation passed that way from the you know from the lo- the local up? Well, I think that there are different possibilities. For example. If we, because of the the Tenth Amendment argument, if a state were to remove its anti-bullying law 
on its books, which most states, especially those that entered the Union later on, were blackmailed that they were not allowed and would not have had their states allowed added to the Union had they not already also included an anti-polygamy clause in their income. And I remember you mentioned that on the last show as well on how, on how that worked. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you yeah. talking about that, yeah. uh, elaborating on that. Right. So if, if the, the right now all states have some form of, a, of an anti-polygamy law, if one state, even just one state, was to w- remove or repeal its anti-polygamy law, now I say that in the context of removing dishonest, excuse me, keeping the laws against dishonest bigamy. Dishonest bigamy is the fraud, like it's the airplane pilot who has two wives in opposite coasts of America and neither of them know each other, that kind of fraud. That's another matter altogether. I'm not talking about dishonest bigamy where they don't know each other or where it's involving fraud. That's another matter, and that that should still remain a fraudulent issue. Uh, But in terms of honest polygamy, where the unrelated consenting adults are making their own free choices, and we're talking about unrelated consenting adults, so you don't have to worry about, you know, we're not talking about incest, we're not talking about coercion, we're not talking about uh, children, we're not talking about extraterrestrial aliens. (laughs) We're talking about unrelated consenting adults. If a state were to repeal their anti-planning laws for UCAP, unrelated consenting adult polygamy, then there could be an argument made for that state to then pursue a suit against the federal government's anti-polygamy laws because of the Tenth Amendment, saying that the federal government doesn't have the authority. You know, so that, that, that is something that would allow it to be from a, a smaller process through, an upper proper, to, through the upper process uh, through that, that method of the Tenth Amendment. Okay. Now, one of the things I was uh, wondering is a lot of people, you know, but just like, you know, right now with, with what I mentioned earlier is, you know, one of my biggest, uh, it's not even an issue, but one of my uh, biggest, you know, goals is, you know, revamping, you know, re, uh, our, our space program and, and getting, you know, getting back to the moon, getting Mars, things of that nature, which no, not a lot of people, uh, they just don't think it's important for whatever reason or another. Again, probably, you know, a lot of the noise out there. Uh, so they don't they don't deem it as, as something that's important because it's not being reported how you know you have places such as Russia and China who are militarizing space and we're we're going you know we're they're looking to you know get to the moon and and, and possibly uh, create uh, permanent residence up there so they can uh, you know mine things such as helium three and then we could go over a, a whole I could do a whole show on that uh, but whereas they you know they they can you know have control you know control there but again that's i'm not going to go too deep into that right now maybe later uh but my point is is that they don't see it as important and then a lot of folks and, and correct me if i'm wrong you're, you're certainly deeper in this uh than i am but i think a lot of people when, when the, the first thing to think of when they think of you know polygamist or polygamy is oh but that's just a mormon thing so that that's just something that's you know ah, small you know not something we need to deal with, something that affects me See, I think that's the problem with you know with the space the space program has is people are like, well, that really don't affect me, so they they don't really pay much attention to it or think it's something that's important. And so using that you know kind of analogy, 
to, you know, the polygamy movement is, well, that's just a Mormon thing. Yeah, it really don't affect me any. That really doesn't have anything to do with me. I mean, that's what I think, uh, that maybe people are as um, either open to it because they think, well, a lot of people think, well, these Mormons, they're kind of strange, you know, know, or something like that. I mean, do you feel – I mean, I'm not saying it's correct, but I think that's kind of – you know, the, I don't want to use the word biased, um, but uh, there is a, a term for it. I'm trying to think of what it is. The Stereotype. Really common basic term. Uh, stereotyping, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the stereotyping of it. I mean, how, how can that be uh, – how do you think that can be overcome? Because I think that's a big part of, of why you're, you don't uh, – I think that might be why a lot of people just aren't paying attention to it and, and how important, you know, the topic really can be and how it can really I affect I would agree. I think that you have very well articulated a very real issue, and I call that uh, the no dog in the fight position. <laughs> you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, they don't have a dog in the fight. Why do they care? Uh, you know, and, and I understand that, and that is a bit of a challenge. That's why I point out the free speech aspect of the craziness of the way the anti-polygamy laws are written, that I, as a very happily married man with a legal marriage wife and a wife absolutely consenting, full accepted, wanting the family arrangements for me to say, to we will say to any other woman in the house, for me to actually express the one word, to actually say it, wife. The Free Speech Act of that one word saying the word wife itself is a crime. And that's why I, I'm always very careful about what I define or say about my own family. But my point being is that I help people see that it is a free speech criminalization just with that law in itself. And I tried to bring it from mm-hmm. that standpoint. You are also correct about the stereotyping of the Mormon issue. And the Mormon polygamy was part of the here's what I try to do is I try to educate people about the fact that you cannot define a neutral noun by a missing adjective. And that is is just like the word day is a neutral word, a neutral noun, that neutral word day has a completely different meaning when you modify it with a different adjective. An adjective sunny is very different from an adjective rainy. And certainly a sunny day is different from a rainy day. And so clearly Mormon polygamy is different from Christian polygamy, is different from secular polygamy, is different from Jewish polygamy. You know, every paradigm has its own unique set of presuppositions or reasons or rationales for how they apply their polygamy. Polygamy is neutral. Polygamy is nothing more than a the numerical definition of the concept of marriage. It is not something that is determined by the paradigms of an unmodifying adjective. You apply that adjective, and now you have different reasons. For example, Mormon polygamy has the paradigm of preexistence of souls, and and then there's the Doctrine and Covenants of 132 that was a little harsher than most people would uh, accept in our modern time, and certainly not something that I could personally accept. I'm not a Mormon polygamist. I'm not a Mormon at all. Uh, and I never have had any basis of uh, 
I, I have no religious connection to uh, Mormonism in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I have obviously met uh, Mormons and Mormon claimers, but that's just not a doctrine or a religion or a theology that I myself uh, could could ascribe or subscribe. With that, I mean, I'm, well, I, I, I've, I've studied, you know, I've studied you know, other religions, and 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 actually, when I was uh, back in 2012, when the show began, when I was uh, doing some investigative work on on Mitt Romney, which I'm, I'm not a huge fan. I'm never not a huge, not any type of a fan of him. <laughs> um, you know, and and, yes. and looked more into Mormonism. And now, I, I mean, after studying more of Mormonism, I I thought about being one just because I like the idea of you know, if I'm a great Mormon, I get my own planet after I die. Mm. Um, and so I don't know a lot of people know there that, are, but yeah, I think that's yeah. that's one of the aspects. I think if you're a great Mormon or you you do something great is for the Mormon religion. You get like your own planet, which would be pretty cool. Well, th- there are different things, and I also want to say that there are differing degrees of the way some people uh, within Mormon polygamy. There are independent Mormon polygamists, and there are those who are part of the FLDS, the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or whatever they are, the FLDS cult uh, of Warren Jeffs. Uh, where they involve arranged marriage and underage marriage and all that business, and that the rest of us absolutely loathed and despised and had no connection with whatsoever. But then there are also independent Mormon polygamists who have none of that also. And so I, I don't want them, even you know, the 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 otherwise normally and healthy Mormon polygamists that have no connection to uh, the cults or the criminals. I don't want them to be broadbushed with all forms of uh, the cults that that utilize that religion as well. Uh, but I would say that the the it goes back to, and this is why I came up with the term of manufactured news corporations, is that the manufactured news corporations get more money by sensationalism than they do by the truth and the stories. And so, you know, the truth is, is <laughs> that true. ultimately, at the end of the polygamy is boring. Ultimately, you know, it, it's it's you know, it's a little more difficult uh, to live as a, as a relationship, but you know, we're we're just as boring as every other person is boring. I mean, it's just, it's, we're just living our normal everyday lives, and we're not looking to try to be sensational and create an ooh and ah and, and all that kind of a thing. So uh, we are up against that, and certainly the stereotypes that are regurgitated through uh, the manufactured news corporations, uh, essentially, they don't really even want to. Let our story be told unless it involves a cult, unless it involves a criminal, you know, or 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 we have what I call circus act requests, where unless we put a family on display so that the audience can go, ooh, ah, it's a polygamous family. How can they do that? Wow, you know, and and that does nothing for us. You know, we we need to have people understand the principles of liberty that are at stake here, rather than going into uh, just putting people on display. And the thing of that, of course, is that when the media Walk away, and they're done. They've, you know, they've aired their report. They've written their their story, whatever. The uh, the family's left to deal with the carnage and repercussions of uh, the both law, civil, and and job, and anything else that uh, suddenly discovers that they were outed as being polygamists for participating in the media story. So it's, you know, it's it's not advantageous for us to be doing circus acts anyway. And then on top of it, it's dangerous for us as well. So yes, I would say that your understanding of the stereotypes that we're up against is accurate and it is something that does pose challenges for us. The what I have been doing, I've been in the media now for 
<laughs> two decades basically, and, and getting the word out, so differentiating Christian polygamy from secular polygamy, from Mormon polygamy, from Jewish polygamy, and differentiating the various forms and trying to help educate people to recognize that you have to put the adjective in front of it to at least begin to understand it. Uh, to understand the different types and the different ways and how and why people choose what they choose. And then once you do that, that allows you to start seeing a bigger picture. But at the end of the day, if we're not talking about coercion, we're not talking about incest, and we're not talking about children, that really, it really is nobody's business. It really is. But how do we overcome the no dog in a fight problem? That's why we have to keep trying to get the word out. And I think that if we can eventually get past the uh, the error of the current noise that we're now having with the tribalism of our politics, then then we may be able to get there. Worst case, you know, we've uh, one thing I've done is I have been laying down uh, an archive of history for history, so that all all the the media interviews that I've given and all you know, that that have been recorded and all the, uh, the the things that have been written on are sitting there and if they have to wait for you know decade or two or three uh, for future politicians to be able to say oh wow this you know this guy Mark Hangel and the organization Truthbearer.org and they, you know they, they, they way back at the turn of the, salen- the the century and the millennium were making these arguments and we, we now is the time to listen to them you know I think. I'm laying those down and leaving those for for history, so that you know if this fight lasts longer than my life, well, you know there it is. You know uh, they're left they're left for history to uh, pick up and and take the baton uh, going forward, uh, much like uh, our founding fathers did with uh, learning from you know the the, the legal principles uh, from uh, from Athens and so forth. Yeah, and, and two things. One, because I mean, it was a, a more of a curiosity. Uh, well, catch us two, three things I was thinking about while you're you were you were talking there is that one is uh, so maybe uh, you know with you maybe because it is the ooh and the on the sensationalism um, when you when you when they talk you know talked about you know what they what they consider like gay rights and gay marriage rights. Um, and maybe because that you know it's it's that is even more far removed uh, from what people would consider quote unquote the norm uh, than you know um, you know a man and a woman or a man and, or, and multiple women in, in the case for polygamy. Uh, that's one. And two, you mentioned a term that um, what what is the difference? And, and this was a, you know, a question I was planning on asking, but. Uh, what what is it? But since you brought it up, it does offer a, a curiosity. Is uh, what is the difference? Let's say between, uh, I guess you know, I mean, besides the the obvious, you know, religious, or maybe it is just the obvious, uh, a religious polygamy, and you mentioned secular, especially the because I'm not a religious person. I'm I'm not. Um, you know, I. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I wouldn't consider myself secularist, but I'm not a, I'm not a religious person per se. You know, either. I mean, you know, I'm not a, I'm not Christian, and um, uh, you know, so I guess, but I'm not really consider myself a secularist either, uh, because I mean, I do believe in like a creative spirit. I'm more of towards the the line of like you know, druidism, things of that nature, uh, paganism mm-hmm. would call me. Um, uh, so what, 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 what? How would you describe what? What do you? What is secular? You know, polygamy. I, I, I don't know what that is. Uh, essentially, it's a uh, sort of an umbrella word for 
non-religious polygamy, meaning that uh, just like just like secular America, you know, it's a uh, where it just may be uh, three or more adults. So, you know, um, it, it could very, be nothing more than uh, a married man and a woman, uh, and they meet another woman, and the three of them decide that this is they want to have a relationship. It's not based on. You know, they don't have any religious reasons. They don't have any or, or, or religious basis. You know, maybe they're not even be religious at all. They're just, you know, they you know what, this works for our relationship. You know, they, they you know, maybe one wants to be a, uh, one woman would, wants to stay at home and, and be a, a stay-at-home mom. Another one wants to have children but wants to have a career that causes, uh, requires her to travel a lot. So they realize this would really work together for, for all of us. The women can get the choices of what they want to do for life. The woman who wants to uh, care for children and stay home gets to uh, do the take care of the, the children themselves directly. And the other woman can have the career that she knows she has to travel and knowing that uh, her husband's not out philandering and that the children are being cared for and loved by a woman who loves them instead of shipping the children off to low-paid strangers at daycare who doesn't, don't have their values, whatever their values are. Uh, so really secular is more of the catch-all umbrella word for basically non-religious polygamy. It's, it's, there's no reason for it all just except for the fact that the adults just want to have this arrangement together. Now, now, one of the things uh, – I'd hate to use the word things, but um, I heard a, a while ago that one of the reasons that you know the government as a whole, especially the federal government, uh, does not want uh, to have polygamy be uh, legal is because it's really – I guess the belief is – and I, I don't know if you, you know, you've heard anything or studied anything or, or, or you've heard this as well. Uh, that it would throw a wrench in the tax works. <laughs> but, you know, uh, taxes are complicated enough, you know, when you're filing jointly, filing separately, things of that nature, you know. Um, and then also, of course, the, the, the I mean, gosh, I, I, the divorce laws. I mean, there's different states have different laws when it comes to, like, alimony and child support, which, I mean, I don't believe in alimony. I think alimony is a cross. I mean, why are you paying for a spouse isn't, isn't your spouse anymore? You know, but <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I I support child support because well, you should you you should be obligated to take care of your children, but I don't think you should be have to be financially obligated to take care of a spouse that isn't your spouse anymore. I just I just I just can't subscribe to that. But anyway, I mean, is there any is there anything to be said? And this is one of the questions that I want to ask tonight. But um, is there anything to be said for that reasoning why let's say at least the federal government is not interested or, or does not want to see it legalized or decriminalized? Well, I would certainly say that one of the biggest government self-justifiers for anti-polygamy laws is the income tax uh, and, and for for marriage control in general. And that, you know, this is why, you know, we, the idea of income tax is basically people control in the first place. There's no question about it. But the, I would certainly say that for anyone, especially those who are against the idea of the income tax in the first place, to suggest that we can't decriminalize. I'm not talking about legalize. I'm saying decriminalize UCAP, unrelated consenting adult polygamy, that it, that somehow is why we we have to keep those laws because of 
the bureaucracy problem of taxation, then really what you're saying is you do support the income taxation, and you're using that as a justification to support it. Uh, so that that to me is an irony and a hypocrisy that I uh, would want to bring to their attention. But with that said, I do believe that when you get government out of it altogether, then the idea of marital basis for income taxation shouldn't even be applied. That that's not a that is not a, a valid basis for uh, special rights. You know that essentially you know, right now we get special rights for. Uh, one man, one woman, and the tax benefit. Or now it's special rights for one man, one woman, or one man, one man, or one woman, one woman. You know, it's still special rights, and that they're getting special rights, and I don't believe in special rights. And so that the idea that we uh, have to get special rights for one on one, you know, it, it, it's ironic when we think about those who uh, used to say that limiting marriage to opposite gender marriages was an arbitrary determinant, meaning that gender was an arbitrary determinant to prohibit same-sex marriage. Well, the fact is is that number, uh, the limitation of one is an arbitrary determinant prohibiting multiples to get to be able to marry together as well. And so I would say that the the taxation justification for keeping anti-polygamy laws on the books is really just more support for big government. And I would agree that those who want to keep big government are more inclined to want to keep those laws on the books. And so that's why it's a matter of trying to inform people of liberty and freedom and and helping people understand that if you say you believe in limited government on the right, or you believe in individual liberty on the left, if that's the wording and the language that you're using to describe your position, then either side requires you to recognize the unrestrained liberty, fundamental individual liberty right of individuals to also choose and select for their own lives, UCAP, unrelated consenting adult polygamy. Yeah, and I, it always kind of baffled me when, when I talked about this. Is supposedly um, now, no, some contend that you know we're becoming less free, and, and I think in, in some instances that is the case. And and then in some, I mean, instances people could be considered more free, especially people who, I, I guess you know, do have what others you know would consider be alternative lifestyles, especially when it comes to the you know gay and lesbian community. You know, because now you mean you have, uh, you know, now you have. You know, and you mentioned earlier, you know, polyamorous, you know, uh, relationships, and those are, you know, the, those, all those different kind of alternative relationships uh, are becoming more accepted or acceptable, I guess you could say, where people are like, oh, yeah, well, you know, people want to do what they want to do. And, and, and you know, uh, and I found out that's more open. I mean, and even that, uh, you know, people are more open to, you know, you know, you really don't hear as much about abortion anymore. Um so it seems like, you know, those things, you know, just don't seem the what, what people would call social issues. You know, I think the social issues have become more uh, more widened uh, for, you know, for acceptability and things of that nature. But for some reason, uh, this issue just doesn't seem to be as, you know, widely accepted. Cause, I mean, even even amongst conservatives, uh, you hear people who are like, well, you know, if a, if a guy wants to be with a guy or a girl wants to be with a girl – you know, so be it. 
But then you bring up, uh, you know, well, you know, if a, if a, a guy, you know, a man and, and then two women or three or whatever, you know, want to enter into, uh, you know, a marriage agreement, a ca- you, know, ma- you know, contract, whatever people want to play on it. Uh, but, but that just doesn't seem – and we got – Suzette, I see I want to chime in. I'll get you in to the show. Uh, but I, I don't um, – I don't. I don't understand why something like this is just not, you know, with, with you know, what, what you're promoting. I just, I just don't see why there seems to be as still like I don't want to use the word taboo, so you know, so to speak. But I mean, I wonder why it's just not as widely accepted as you know, like oh, if a man wants to be with a man, if a woman wants to be with a woman, if a woman wants to be with a dog, who cares, you know? But um, but this still seems to stick in people's crawl, and then the same people who you know. You know, same-sex marriage or relationships, or, or remember when even when you know interracial relationships used to be seen as, you know, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Um, you don't do that or yeah. can't do that or made a lot of people angry. But that you know that's more you know that's more accepted. I mean, you see it on TV all the time now. Um, and so right. you know, but but, but it, it just confuses me why this just seems to stick people's crawl so much. I, I don't understand it. Well, I think that there may be. At least one, if not two, reasons for that. Um, the reason that the, the the first thing I would say is that uh, when polygamy itself and and banning polygamy was not an idea of protecting women, it was not egalitarian. Anti-polygamy is not egalitarian. And here's the absolute proof that it had nothing to do with protecting women's rights or protecting women whatsoever. Because the fact of the matter is, is that if in 1862, when they passed the Anti-Maril Bigamy, Anti-Bigamy Act, if they really cared about the rights of women, why did it take them decades and decades later before they ever let women have the right to vote in 1920? The reality is, is that anti-polygamy law was never about equality for women. What it was, it was about an equality for the jerk men, a redistribution for the jerk men to be a distribution of the good women to the jerk men who wouldn't be able to get the good, good women, if you will. So well, let me give you an analogy. If you have 10 men and 10 women, and nine of those men are jerks, the jerk men I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The marriage Marxism, the marital socialism of government enforced one man, one woman, has oppressed nine of those women and taken their choice away that they either have to settle for less or go without. But if you have a free market, free marriage market, at laissez-faire free marriage economics, if you will, and allow women a free choice, then what's going to happen? When you have ten men and one of those men is good and nine of those men are jerks, suddenly the nine women also realize they also have an option and access to the good man, and that creates an incentive for the jerks to grow up, to stop being living their hyperextended adolescences into their 30s, living in their mother's basement. The, they actually become better men, and the better men then become more viable for the women to choose. So it becomes an equilibrium anyway, and that's what the free market does. But by 
imposing the marital socialism, what it effectively has done is disincentivize the nine jerks to even try, to even care. And so that, that we have dumbed down our males. We now have the biggest joke of stand-up comics is how men are afraid of marriage and we want, because we want to criminalize men who want marriage. We want to criminalize polygamy of men who wouldn't want marriage. That is the ridiculousness of it. So really it's a marital socialism of redistributing better women to the lesser men, the jerk men, rather than incentivizing the men to be better in the first place to attract the women. And that's what brings me to the second point, and that is is that today's women are smart. And I back that up by saying women have always been smart. But today's women are educated and have rights and have power and have everything that they should have in rights with men. Now, it's a separate discussion about wage gap and other issues and all that. But at the end of the day, you compare today's woman to women of previous centuries, and you understand the point I'm trying to make here. And that today's woman is smart. Today's woman is strong. Today's woman is powerful and has every educated opportunity to, that she can take now in a modern, secular, Western-educated society like America. And because women now are smart, that there is no way that smart women are going to put up with an idiot. So for any man today <laughs> to be a any man today to be a polygamist, he cannot be an idiot because those women will put him in the doghouse faster than he can blink. And so the reality is that today's man who would be a polygamist, capable of attracting more than one woman, willing and wanting and ready to be in a family of that arrangement. He's got to be a really good man, a man who cares about women, cares about them, and focuses and pays attention to them and is not a chest pounder, is not seeing them as a series of body parts, seeing them as the individuals they are, and absolutely. So the women would be very demanding of him to actually care. So to that extent, it does, it's not saying that polygamists are superior, but I'm saying it does require men to grow up more than they've been before. And so to get to that, and so for those who are either fearful of having to grow up or those who are thinking that we're going to be in a world of the dumbed-down males being polygamous, the reality is dumbed-down men can never be polygamous anyway until they grow up. And so it's, it's the fear of the, the worst-case scenario that would never happen, or it is the redistribution of socialism, of redistributing the good the better women to the jerk men and that's why we have and that's why some people are afraid of it why it still ends up becoming something that people are afraid to talk about and shouldn't be because it's it's a false false stereotype and a false understanding because as i've said before anti-polygamy is not pro-woman it, it, it really isn't because it takes women's choice away it doesn't allow women to choose the better men that she would want to choose, and it therefore disincentivizes jerk men to not even bother or not even try to be better men for the women to choose. You know, and yeah, we've got um, okay, and I got uh, Suzette on the line, but uh, real quick, uh, Suzette, I got something in the chat. Um, it says, uh, says, "I was a member of the Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints." I think people should practice whatever it is that they want as long as they're not hurting anyone. Isn't that what a free society is about? Uh, the only thing I have a problem with is when these people believe they should uh, 
be a protected class above everyone else. And yeah, you know, I don't and I don't think uh, anyone should be a protected class. I think you mentioned that. But let's go. Uh, we got Suzette online, and we got others on the line. Just push the one on the number dial, and, and we'll get you into the show. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, bring in uh, Suzette. Thank you very much, Suzette, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Good evening. Thank you for taking my call. What an interesting topic. You're welcome. Your show. <laughs> oh, yeah, certainly. We had Mark on about uh, five years ago already. I can't believe it's so quick. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but. Uh, that's amazing just how much time has, has gone by since then. So I think it was like 2014, as Mark uh, pointed out. It's like, uh, Robert, it's uh, it's 2019 now. Because I was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. So it hasn't been four years. It's been five. So that's crazy. But um, no, 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 Robert, go ahead, uh, go ahead Oh, okay. Um, Mr. Hinkle, uh, I think you're kind of overstating your case, and you may actually lose some people because of it. Um, you make some rational points. Uh, but I think you're directing it too much at the women's choice uh, because obviously it would be a woman's choice to participate in a marriage uh, that was practicing polygamy. And so, um, you know, as far as convincing anybody that it's a woman's choice, of course it would be. <laughs> I would say I would think that that was a given. I do not. Um, well, you'd be surprised mm-hmm. at how many people think that, you know, it's a, it's a dominant. Well, I've studied this to myself, not nearly as much as our guests, uh, but real quick, and, um, you know, I don't normally interrupt, but I want, I want to add this in, is that, I mean, because mm-hmm. you do hear a lot where they're thinking, oh, well, there's, this is, you know, overpowering men, and a man, or uh, and I think the way uh, Mark described it was a, a chess pounder who somehow – you know, is this this dom, this domineering or dominatrix guy or whatever, who you know mm-hmm. takes weak-willed women and you know says, okay, you're going to marry me and this. Stuff. I mean, a lot of people think that that's actually what happens. That's actually what it is. So I think that's why you know why he states it that way because there there still is, um, and I think I think there's still a not a consensus, but I think there's still a lot of people who actually believe that that's actually what's going on. Well, I, I agree, and that would be the, uh, I guess, the social justice warrior side, not not the conservative side, but I'll get into that as far as that side. I, I'm the one in the chat room telling you that I was Mormon uh, at one time, which has really nothing to do with the topic of polygamy, um, practicing it. But anyway, um, so as far as the social justice warriors, yes, they because they see toxic masculinity everywhere. If you are uh, a confident man, not even overbearing, but just confident uh, and firm in your beliefs, then they believe you're toxic. And so, you know, it's not going to change any hearts and minds there. Um, then, you, of course, you have the evangelicals that um, believe that everybody should believe the way they believe. And, um, you know, for me, I, I believe in God. I don't believe in polygamy. I don't believe in gay marriage. I don't believe in being transgender. But and I don't support any of those things, but I support Mr. Hinckley's right to um, to pursue what makes them happy, and and the women that uh, participate uh, willingly, and I support their right to do that. I mean, once upon a time, we all lived on a prairie, and you know, everybody mind their own business. Whatever happens behind your closed doors in your life um, is your is your life, and as long as it's not hurting anybody, um, you know, it's. I think that personal liberty is very important, as well as privacy, and I think the government should grant him his right to. Um, to practice that than anybody else. Back to you, Robert. Well, one thing, um, and, and I'm going to hand it over to yourself, because um, I did have uh, two, two things, Mark. Uh, one is one of uh, 
Well, our listeners will say, well, what about a you know a woman having multiple husbands? And, and you did address that on uh, a lap, the show we we had back then. Uh, but two is, uh, and, and I think uh, some of the folks here are the callers that they uh, either that probably didn't hear last show because it was some years ago or, or missed the part. But there's actually uh, you know a religious basis that you've touched on. You know, cause she said she, you know a Christian that two things. One, I mean, it's it's nowhere in in the Bible, through my understanding. That prohibits uh, polygamy, and actually, there's more examples, through my understanding, that actually support it than say that it's anything that's uh, immoral. Yes, I would agree that uh, that the, I'm trying to remember the no, the series of numbers of issues that have just been raised here. Uh, uh, let me first back up and say it hasn't been five years; it's been four years. It was in 2015 that we last had our interview, so it was 2015, four years ago. <laughs> so I clarify that first, uh, and then on top of that, uh, there is definitely a stereotype out there that has people believing that it is that polygamy is always this chest pounder and that women are somehow weak waves, and I, I love the way uh, Suzette, I believe, was the caller who just put put it, you know, uh, the way uh, that, uh, of course, women make a choice. I agree with that logic that, of course, it's about women making a choice, but the irony is is so often I'm up against the very argument that suggests that somehow women aren't, and it, that leads me to the also the irony of those who uh, will come against polygamy and you know that will then say that you know that this image have this imagery that suggests that women are somehow these weak waifs uh, unable to stand up against a man and so I mean, two or three or four women uh, are not able to stand up a strong against a, a man one single man and then we'll turn around and then say, well, what about polyandry? If we're going to have that, we've got to be able to have polyandry too. And of course, polyandry is the reverse of polygamy, just so as a matter of understanding the words. Polygamy, P-O-L-Y-G-A-M-Y, polygamy, is the neutral word that can be either polygamy or polyandry. Polygamy is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-Y-N-Y, like the root word for gynecologist, G-Y-Gyne. Polygyny, polygyny is one man, multiple women. And polyandry, coming from the word anthros, means multiple men. So the idea of polyandry is that of one woman with multiple men. Well, if these same people are suggesting that women are so weak uh, to, in numbers against one man, well, then how the heck is, a, is one woman going to be able to stand up to multiple men if this is how bad it is? I mean, the irony is just nothing more than knee slapping. <laughs> You know the, the 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 truth is is that as the woman before on the caller correctly and wonderfully put it is that of course it's about woman's choice and that's why I have to keep repeating that because there are too many people that try to defer to the idea that somehow uh, polygamy is going to be about the chest pounders and that somehow women are weak and I say that that's ridiculous that you know women are strong they are not weak they are not feeble-minded, they are not incapable of asserting their equality in a relationship. And certainly you have multiple women together, and it's even that much more 
powerful on that. And the man, has <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? Oh, I think any, me, for I any married guy who's even just married to one, you know, it's like, oh, right. my gosh, really? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no that's, offense that's to the ladies point. out there, but, yeah, it's hard enough being no, married to one no. sometimes. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> women, women are smart and strong. They are every bit as equal and strong to us men in a modern Western society, and the idea of women as waifs and weaklings is just simply not Accurate and it's actually insulting to the modern woman, as far as I'm concerned. And so, now, so in terms of polyandry, in a divorce situation, when you enter the relationship in the beginning, that everyone enters with their, I guess you could say, their own stuff, so to speak, their own, you know, as far as means and anything else. And when one decides to separate, and I guess divorce would be or leave, that person leaves with what they came with. And rather than dragging the whole group down, is is that correct, or how would that work? Well, whatever unrelated consenting adults can arrange their own contractual relationship, you know, and so whatever arrangements they want to make in contracts, they can arrange that individually through the contract process. And so I I don't want to be so monolithic that I define what each family is going to do for their own personal dynamics. And that, and that's sure. the reality that we need to also understand is that individ, different individuals will define their relationships differently. And and what about children, as far as uh, how that goes with them in school? Because there has to be a stigma that has to be overcome, so that that child isn't ridiculed for having and, and, and that, three moms. We are, we <laughs> just want to overcome that. I agree with that, and I I, I think that that's just. Uh, absolutely difficult, and that's why families have to be quiet about what's actually happening. You know, it just may look like uh, you know multiple families living together or something of that nature. You know, they, they, there are those challenges, and but see, that that is a symptom of the problem, not a symptom of why we can't solve the problem. Right, right. I'm just saying, as far as so that's one of the unintended consequences of a relationship that involves. More than two people. Yes, it is, and and but that that goes squarely on the fault of the tyranny of big government imposing an unconstitutional anti-colonial law. That is not on uh, on the back, if you will, or the blame or the fault of those choosing their God-given fundamental individual liberty rights to marriage, Correct. regardless of I what agree. government decides. Or, yes, I agree. I agree. Well, and government good. is way too up in our personal lives to tell us, you know, who we can be with, who we can't be with, and how many, or anything else. So they're not, they have no business in my bedroom or my home, for that matter, or my life, that, that intricately to, to tell me yes or no. That's, that's a tyrannical government. I agree. Uh, there's nothing more I can add to that, except I agree. <laughs> and, and we got, uh, and, and as you know, Suzette, we'll, uh, we'll be keeping you uh your line open, but I believe we have uh, John on the line. You'd like to chime in. Uh, thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much. Yeah, I agree with Suzette. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really stopped to think and consider things to this level. I did have some questions, and I do appreciate um, what he was saying about how, you know, I forget the words he was using about not imposing on others and stuff. 
Cause I knew you'd like that, John. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I look at it from a standpoint that even if we did not have a constitution, period, just your innate soul or spirit tells you you don't like people coercing you and forcing you, and that's why I keep telling you, Robert, about this NASA space stuff. As long as there's people that want to use the government as a weapon to steal money from the rest of us to fund their agenda, that's imposition. And it just creates dissension, and, and you've got to stand up and fight to stop people from doing it. But it, it, it goes into a whole lot of other things in our world, too, where they're spending money on development of all kinds of stuff that we wouldn't necessarily appreciate, like, for example, abortion, you know. I'm not going to fund abortion, but to move on past that, you know, I'm one of these kind of people. I think we ought to expunge and all rescind, completely eliminate the personal income taxes and personal property taxes, the 16th Amendment of the Constitution, give every legal United States citizen a line-item veto power, so that way no matter what bills get presented, in the future, then anybody that's a legal, you know, a legitimate legal American citizen can just line item veto strike that out. And that way they can't use the government as a weapon to pound on each other. And I think that's partly what you guys were talking about, too, how these people that get into power, they use this power in order to create these different categories and then play them against each other. And so... You know, it goes right to the point that we got to stop the imposition. And I was try- I've got so many things I'm wanting to remember, and I'm thinking, oh man, wait, I got to say this or I'll forget. And if I don't tell you this, I'm going to forget <laughs> that. And I, I struggle with that. I should have wrote down some notes. But um, it's like the imposition of, uh, for example, we have Obamacare. Well, where's my law? that forces every legal United States citizen to guarantee me a paycheck and make sure that my services have to be bought or my products have to be bought and give me a guaranteed paycheck or you, any one of us. You know, where's our where's our law to force all other Americans to buy your service or your product to make sure that you get a guaranteed paycheck? See, those kind of tricky deals. So I appreciate this conversation. Now, from a bit, I'm not sure I understood um, you to say if you were coming from a biblical standpoint or you were just trying to argue it from a biblical standpoint. Do, do you have a biblical basis uh, of faith in your life or are you secular and you just want to try to debunk some of the biblical perspectives? Um, no, it's very biblical. Uh, believe uh, to- completely. Uh, I'll try to give a very quick synopsis. Uh, it first starts from the fact that, and this is how most people who are movement of Christian polygamy that began in 1994, uh, basically people start looking through the Bible, and at first they stumble across the fact that there are dozens and dozens of important polygamists in the Bible that had more than one wife. Uh, then they study it more deeply, and then they go searching online, and that's how they find the truth there to the organization, and they, they find uh, biblicalpolygamy.com that raises the answers all the arguments uh, throughout everything regarding the Bible itself. If, you first recognize and realize that the Adam and Eve story and the two shall be one flesh verse of Genesis 2.24 and the seventh commandment of Exodus 20 verse 14 
And then, of course, a chapter later, Exodus 21.10, if he take him another wife, her food, her raiment, her duty of marriage shall be not diminished, Exodus 21.10, or 20, Deuteronomy 21.15, that says, if he take him, excuse me, uh, a man who for a man have two wives. Then you go to see David, the story of David, and you go to see all the other great heroes, you start to realize something's up. Then you recognize, uh-oh, Moses. Moses had two wives. Now suddenly everything you just read in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the polygamy regulating verses, the Adam and Eve story, Exodus 21.10, all of those were written by a man who had two wives. How would a man with two wives write a doctrine of the Adam and Eve story and think that that story somehow causes his own family to be that which is in sin? And how could he regulate polygamy if polygamy was a sin? And you suddenly recognize it couldn't. Then you start going further, and you start recognizing that, well, actually God himself described himself in polygamous terms in Jeremiah chapter 3 and in Ezekiel 23. Jesus Christ described himself in a parable, not literal, but a parable in the parable of the ten virgins, the five wise virgins of Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Then you study it even more deeply, and you suddenly recognize that the one wife verses of First uh, Timothy 3, 2, 12, and Titus 1, 6 are actually mistranslations because you go back and the word was mia wife, not heis wife, and mia was the Greek word that was used when the when Jesus was found on the first day of the week, the Mia day of the week, and so you suddenly realize that those limitations for bishops, elders, and deacons were only saying that he must be the husband of his first wife, meaning he was not divorced. You start to recognize that Moses was one flesh with each of his two wives. You start to recognize that Abraham had three wives. The 12 tribes of Israel were born of Israel's four wives, and you start to realize nowhere in the Bible was it ever called a sin. Ever, ever. And then you've got the great law of hypocrisy, where you realize that under the Old Testament, we were under the law. Under the New Testament, we're under grace. We're saved by Jesus Christ, saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And we're not saved by works of the law. So if the realistic living of doctrine under the Old Testament was that marriage allowed polygamy and polygamy was regulated, while under the legalism of being under the law, how much freer would it be under the times of being under grace when we're no longer under the legalism of the law? And so the reality is, is that by being under grace, we are even you would never make a doctrine more legalistically restrictive in the New Testament time of being under grace than it ever was when being under the law, when it actually was regulated with such verses as Exodus 21.10 and Deuteronomy 21.15. So when we're talking about the Bible, and we're talking about the biblicality of Christian polygamy, it is absolutely 100% a fact that the Bible never anywhere prohibited polygamy, never called it a sin. There were numerous, in fact, dozens of polygamists in the Bible. Some of the holiest men of the Bible did so. God called himself a polygamist in two different uh, prophets. Uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Jesus described himself that way. And then even 
finally you take it to the story of David when David was being called out in Second Samuel for taking another man's wife. And God himself said in Second Samuel 12, 8, I gave you all your wives. At that point, he had had seven wives before Bathsheba. And God said to David in exact words, I gave you all your wives, and if you had wanted more, I would have given you more. But you took this man's one wife and had him killed. So that shows us that God himself took responsibility for giving David his wives and said that he had done so. And so the reality is, is that if you're going to say you believe in the Bible, you have to recognize that it simply the fact is the invented doctrine of one man, one woman, and anti-polygamy is not in the Bible. So, yes, I do have that biblical view. Yeah, well, I very much appreciate you came to the table prepared to share because that's what helps us all grow. Myself, I'm definitely in always going to continue to grow, and this was an area that I did not have very much knowledge and wisdom of. Uh, I definitely do want to share one thing in the sense that every time I ever hear anybody say, you know, we live under grace and not by, you know, we're not held to the works of the law anymore. And I agree with that general statement, but too often I hear that used in the sense that, oh, now I just get to nefariously do whatever I want to. And whenever I read, you know, in the Romans, where he talks about, he says, not the hearers of the law are just before God, but and this is 2.13, not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law, you know, Gentiles which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. And you know, in James, you know, he says, for the... With, Works without faith is dead, and then he confirms also in Romans three, twenty-eight. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we established the law. So I just want to throw a copy out there, but I want to applaud you for the, all the hard work. I'm going to have to go back and get this podcast and listen to all those different references and do some studying up myself. And that's always something that I've been kind of uh, sensitive to because I, I try to look at the Vulgate and the Apocrypha and the Septuagint and, and the Dead Sea Scrolls and, you know, just the Gnostic Gospels, all whatever I can to try to keep abreast of all the knowledge and wisdom that's out there for me to learn from. And just what you were saying, you go to the Old Testament, it talks about these people that had multiple wives. Now, I didn't hear about any women having multiple husbands, but then... Uh, I don't know all the, you know, I don't know it off the top of my head. and don't, I, I mean, I've probably studied all of it a couple of times, but I can't retain everything that great. But I know in the New Testament, and I think you pointed out that some of those scriptures may have been misinterpreted because they always speak about one man and one woman, you know, will be twain and become one flesh, and it never refers to, you know, the man will leave his parents and his father, I mean, his father and his mother and, and cleave to his partner or to his partners. It always says the man will leave his parents or his 
father and mother and cleave to his wife. So that in itself it just breaks it down to the singularity. And but you know we're still growing and learning. I can answer and, that. I got, appreciate it. Yeah, go, go ahead, and then we got Dr. Tolbert on the line. We got some questions. Um, a question, and then I know you've answered the ones uh, that, uh, right. but on a previous show. Uh, but we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, get get your answer, and then we'll get to Dr. Tolbert. Go ahead. Well, very right, very quickly. That when Jesus talks about that in Matthew 19 about the two shall be one flesh, he's quoting polygamous Moses, who wrote that two sh- the two shall be one flesh in Genesis 2:24. So the singularity is just a matter of the structure of the language of the, of the sentence, but it doesn't create a limitation of only one, but rather was just Jesus requoting what polygamous Moses wrote in Genesis 2:24 that the two shall be one flesh. And Moses was one flesh with each of his two wives. I encourage you go to biblicalpolygamy.com. Biblicalpolygamy.com, and that will have all your arguments and all the polygamists in the Bible. But, uh, let's go ahead and uh, we'll get Dr. Tolbert in. We'll bring it back to you, um, uh, Suzette, but let's go ahead and let's try to get him in. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Tolbert, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Good, and I'm sorry, Robert. I haven't caught uh, enough of the show to really get into the issue of polygamy in the Bible other than the fact that I would not personally go along with the fact under the New Testament that polygamy existed even though there's a possibility there would be a scripture that would outline it. However, during my uh, getting my degree in theology, uh, we, we cover different issues besides the fact that we teach that under the New Testament, polygamy was no longer allowed, but we would agree that in the Old Testament, it was a common occurrence. In fact, I think if you go back to the Bible, uh, you have to understand that the whole thing of uh, Cain and Abel uh, had more. There, there's some background noise going on on somebody's uh, phone, I hate to, hate to say, but if you can, uh, somebody can mute their mics and, unless they're, they're talking, then we can uh, do that good. Yeah, there, there would be multiple um, relationships for the whole entire uh, fact that we did have a creation. Uh, many of the times in the Bible, we only look at the fact that men were mentioned, but then the women uh, or, the, or the daughters uh, were kept out of the picture. But the whole thing of creation would be polygamy is what created the entire structure of man and woman until they get into a point where they make different decisions. So I gather you guys were extremely involved in that. I did want to go, and I don't know if there's going to be an opportunity. There's a new letter that we just sent to the president, which is now finished in its uh, thing discussing uh, what happened with the president, the court, uh, the uh, electors, and other parts of the Constitution. So I'm going to be quiet a second, if, unless you say it's okay for me to speak on what I want to talk about. Uh, well, real quick, uh, and we're we're going to just do the you know half the show uh, with the topic, uh, but you know we've we've carried on as you know sometimes we do, and that's fine. Um, but let's go. I know Suzette, uh, you had a few uh, questions on that, so you, you go ahead. Um, actually, it was my husband that brought it up, but uh, I want to just make a real quick point, and that was uh, basically common law marriage is recognized because marriage 
a marriage license is uh, something that is a man-made law. So evangelists want to argue, basically, having a marriage license. Uh, God never intended marriage licenses to, to that man's law. That's actually going against um, God's uh, God's law. So anyway, uh, go ahead. Did you want to? Say yeah. That? Robert, I'd, I'd add to that the fact that, that that's an excise tax, and under the Constitution, it was it was uh, stated that you cannot do the excise taxes by the Supreme Court. So the fact that they're marrying by license now is totally out of the Constitution. And that yeah. when I married my wife, the first thing we did is we wrote it in the Bible before there was a legal or a church wedding. And I think that's the point that we tried to make to our churches and ministries that the Bible is the only document. And it was at one time, the only legal document that you had not only for um, marriage, but for death certificates and all the other stuff. And then they wanted to create the U S census where they could say, okay, there's so many people in the United States and we're going to make the churches to report to us and the churches refused to report to them saying who was born who had died and stuff like that and so with the american census they created all Real these quick, laws whoever got there, someone's got some shuffling or something going on i don't i don't know which one it's coming from but i, I think you mute their minds or something i don't know where that's coming from but go ahead dr Tolbert. Yeah. yeah and so what happened when the u.s census wanted to take it over they took away the uh, first amendment and and the fact that marriage or death or other issues was constitutionally correct, and this cre- this created all the problems we have today. Not only that, the Johnson Act, 1954, when we formulated the uh, 501c3s, and then of course we go back to 1871 when we did the corporations and we came up with the second constitution which no longer says the United States of America, but now just says United States America. Go ahead, Robert. Okay. So, um, well, I guess we got, uh, if you want to uh, add in on that or chime in, then Dr. Tober will have you, you know, get to um, where you want to. We only had about seven minutes for the top of the hour. So let's go ahead and bring it over to um, Mark, and then you know you're, uh, we're going to probably get um, some other topics uh, this evening. You're certainly welcome to uh, to stay for that, uh, you know, to be on the remainder of the of the show. Uh, but let's go ahead and um, you know address the things that that was talked about. Maybe Dr. Tolbert and and John about you know them about the taxes. Go ahead. I would agree. You that take all the time you need. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. What? I say go ahead and take all the time you need. We we got plenty of time. Okay, I would say that for those who are under the paradigm of Christianity, that the Reformation battle cry of sola scriptura, only the Scripture, is correct, and that in much ways the individual before Dr. Colbert, I believe his name was John, had mentioned uh, about the law and the testimony, I would say that I am in line with Acts 24:14, as Paul 
was to the Pharisees, as Martin Luther was to the Catholics, and if you want me here now uh, to uh, the modern-day Protestant Christians that say they believe in the Bible, and that is to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And that the fact is, is that even though you can say a sentence out of your lips that the New Testament says polygamy is not allowed, you have the biological capability to verbalize that. But the reality, the fact, the truth, from the very, very first verse in the book of Matthew to the very, very last verse of the book of Revelation, there is not one single verse that ever prohibits polygamy or calls it a sin. It simply is not there. And to declare that polygamy is not allowed in the New Testament is not a doctrine in line with the presupposition of sola scriptura, in line with the belief that if it's in the Bible, this is what the truth is. Now, you have the freedom to believe and assert that, but the intellectual honesty, the reality, the truth, and the fact is that the New Testament never, ever banned polygamy or called it a sin. That's the first thing that I do want to get clearly understood, that I agree also that, as also John had said even earlier, that the idea of being under grace is not simply a license for licentiousness, as as it were. And I get that as well. Uh, And that's not where I was going with that. But rather what I was saying is is that while we are no under the law, not no longer under the law, it is by the law we know what was sin. And the fact is by the law we know that polygamy was not a sin because not only was it not listed as a sin, not only was it performed as marriages by multiple biblical heroes, but there were even verses under the law that regulated polygamy, proving that polygamy was never a sin. So if if we know by the law what is sin, and we know that the law never prohibited polygamy under the law and even regulated it, and we know that it was never banned from one verse, whether it's from the first verse of Matthew to the last verse of Revelation, then we know for an absolute fact a sola scriptura-based, reformation-based, Protestant-based Christian, under the paradigm of sola scriptura, that anti-polygamy is not biblical. It simply is not there. And that's what we're trying to help our fellow conservative Christians understand. And that's why when you go to truthbearer.org, you will actually see that the slogan is continuing the Reformation. And that's what we're doing. We're helping fellow Christians realize the sola scriptura battle cry, that if you're going to say you believe in sola scriptura, the battle cry of the Reformation, then you have got to understand, accept, and realize that the Bible never created the invented Catholic invented man-made one-man, one-woman doctrine. It never did that. It never bans polygamy. I would say that I am really happy to hear the expression of support from, well, I think all the callers, really, of the fact that the liberty of individuals should not be getting controlled or criminalized by big government. And we're not asking for everybody to want polygamy. 
We're not asking for everybody to even be polygamous. In fact, we know many people can't be polygamous. And again, that goes back to the no dog in the fight argument that we were talking about earlier. And we really understand that most people would not be polygamous. And we're not expecting that. We're not asking that. You don't have to be polygamous. But if you believe in liberty, if you believe in the rights of the individual, if you believe in privacy, if you believe in unrelated consenting adults having the freedom to make their own choices without a government imposing on you, then even if you personally don't have a dog in the fight, the dog you do have in the fight is liberty. And that's why I would appeal and ask you to please support our pursuit of freedom. We're not seeking legalization. Legalization requires the problems we now encounter with having to define marriage through government. We had we created legalization of one man, one woman. We created legalization of same-sex marriage. And we have all the fights and oppositions one way or the other. But if we have government no longer licensed to find and control the contractual arrangements of unrelated consenting adults, then everybody's free. Whether you agree with it doesn't matter. Whether you're religious or you're not religious, it doesn't matter. Whether your religion opposes the choice of another person for their relationship, it doesn't matter. Everybody's free. Nobody gets to use government to force their view or their form or their definition on anyone else. That's true limited government for conservatives. That's true equality for all, for liberals. That's true freedom. And that's what I would say that even if you see yourself as not having a personal dog in the fight because you're not going to want to be polygamous, and that's okay. The dog in the fight you do have is liberty and the freedom of individuals. And this law is so archaic, so tyrannical, it is downright anti-free speech that I would ask you please support us at least in the choice of freedom as we try to go forward in fighting for our rights to freedom. We are not trying to impose on you. We are not trying to create any tyranny or any harm. The reality is women are smart and strong and capable of putting any man in his place and that this is, there's no reason for this to be anything but a matter of unrelated consenting adults making their own free choices, and then it doesn't matter. Rob, so that's really, I guess, that's the last I got to say about it. Can I, can I comment? Yeah, Robert Charles, <laughs> can I what he said, but changing it to a different way he's reading the scripture? Well, that's, I mean, well, uh, let's see if he's, he, he could still be on the line, because, I mean, I, I didn't know whether he, you know, okay. we were going to close the topic out or if he's going to be able to stay with us. I mean, we can continue. Yeah. we got another, about another hour, so, I mean, it's up to Mark on, on how he wants to proceed just, with that. I just want to. I'll be happy to the, say the tenth amendment, or the tenth okay, commandment. Go, go ahead, Doctor Tolbert. And then, and, uh, we're, we're real quick, uh, real, real quick, we'll do it in order. Uh, John, we'll, we'll, we'll first we'll do uh, John real quick, and then Mark give you the, the response, and then uh, Doctor Tolbert uh, yours, and then Mark give his response. And, and again, if, if we do the rest of the show for this, that's fine. Uh, but I know you, there's other things you want to talk about also, Dr. Tolbert, but uh, we can do this as well. So, John, go ahead, and then Mark, and then you, Dr. Tolbert, and then Mark, and then uh, we'll, go, we'll go from there. Yeah, um, I, I want to say thank you, Mark, for just opening up this conversation for this reason alone. Just what you were just saying 
actually needs to be from each and every one of us to each and every one of us. Because if I'm not standing up for you, and then that means, I mean, put it, if I stand up for you to have your individual right to self-determine your pursuit of happiness and not allow the government to run roughshod and force you to some other agenda or other whatever, then you have to return the favor to do the same. And that's where the problem becomes a problem in this manner. For example, you know, let me just throw this out there. Say, say just for hypothetical, I'm a multi-billionaire, and I can afford to pay a girl $10,000 a month to be my wife just for frivolous cash that she can go spend. How many women do you think are going to leave their husband to come and be a part of my harem? I would say that there will always be crazy anecdotes that may occur. I would also say that it is not a problem of all the women are going to get snatched up. That's the uh, the idea of this multiplication concept that uh, all the richest men are going to snatch up all the women. Uh, I think, first of all, I, I would tend to give more respect to women that I believe that they not all that, well, there will be some, and there will be some. I get it. I do not believe all women believe men have to be a sugar daddy. And I don't believe that all women would see that as a relationship that they would actually want to have. Would there be some? Probably. I'm sure there would be. There's all kinds of people in this world, and people have different things that are important to them. I'm not saying that it could never happen. But I am saying that that is such an outlier that it is not essential or relevant to the situation. It's like everybody has the freedom to make $500 million, but not everybody does anyway, even though they've got the freedom to do so. And so in that regard, I would say that the, the, the real problem is not that we have a balance of uh, men to women and that that would skew the balance of men to women, but rather what we have is we actually have a shortage of men who want to marry women to the number of women who want to marry men. And that, that's really the number that applies. And so if we're really going to be thinking about it, then we would want to allow the freedom for the, those women who want to marry men to have the freedom to marry men who want to marry women, even if they're polygamous. And so I, I would say that I, I'm not fearful of those outliers, because while they may or may not happen, I still give more credence and respect and appreciation that most women uh, in a modern Western society that are going to do that. I don't, I'm not worried about that. And, and I don't. And Mark, I, I would say most women would agree. Mark, the, 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 the point I was trying to make with that is for the simple fact that we have to stand up for each other's individual right to self-determine our own pursuit of happiness because that's where the fight gets. You automatically just shot my system down saying that that was such an outlier. Well, then I could say your situation is just an outlier. No, well, no, 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 I mean, no, 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 you're not, misunderstanding let's, me. Let's not, yeah, we're not going to do the back and forth. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to do that back and forth uh, because for one, we don't mm. have a lot of time for that. Uh, and right. we all want to get the the Dr. Tolbert. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, 
anyway, I think you know we're saying it does exist, but there's there's not enough of it to exist to, uh, to just like just like you know, an analogy I'll use, and I'll bring over the Doctor Tolbert is that we all have the free, freedom to have a beer if we want, okay? But we also have the freedom to have too many beers and get behind our car, getting the wheel. That's an outlier. Should we not allow people to drink beer? Because they might go by, you know, in their car and, and hit somebody. I'll use the same analogy. It's, it's going to happen. It does happen, but that don't mean people shouldn't be able to go out and have some beers. But anyway, let's let's go ahead and uh, Dr. Tolbert, and you you had some points as well. Uh, so let's uh, go to those, and then Mark will respond there, and then we'll we'll move forward with uh, without anyone else wants any more questions or comments that are different. Um, uh, or we'll just bring it over to what you you want to bring up the the saving as well, Doctor Tolbert. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to you know first say the four gospels of the Book of Revelations are actually part of the Old Testament, and ninety eight percent of the four gospels in the Book of Revelations were nothing but showing the closure of the Old Testament, and that a lot of people think that the four gospels is actually the New Testament, and they don't put it together through the theological reason why Jesus actually gave all the answers. They also aren't getting into the fact that the uh, 10th commandment, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife. It did not say your neighbor's wives. It also, we could go into 1 Timothy 3.2. We could go into 1 Corinthians 7.2, talking about single marriages. We could spend all day discussing the legality of the Bible versus the Quran and the Mormon's Bible, and the Mormon's Bible and the Quran would totally tell you polygamy is more correct, whereas the King James Bible or the new versions or other versions would take a different slant. So everybody could uh, look at their own theological viewpoint, come up with their own conclusion based on what they teach. Yeah, so, hold on, Dr. Tolbert. So there's some kind of, real quick, Dr. Tolbert, there's some kind of noise going in the background, and I, and I hate that because in a way it's interrupting the person who's speaking. So if you've got any noise or shuffling papers or shuffling something around, please stop um, you know, or mute your mic or something so that you know we can hear Dr. Tolbert. And I'm not trying to be a jerk, but, I mean, that's, it's, kind of, it's kind of distracting. Um, and, and not yep. just for yep. for us and me, it's for, right. you know, the listeners. Yep. I mute myself, so I, I just unmuted myself, but I mute myself while some oh. people are talking. Oh, okay. So Thanks. Thank I appreciate it. I'm, just, I'm not trying to be mean, you know, that, that way, but, you know, we, I, I just keep hearing you know, stuff I in the background. Go ahead, too, Rob. Yeah, I'm just going to go into the fact of what we mentioned before, the, the fact that the government had no authority and what they did under the census report that they were trying to figure out who was in America as legal citizens, and they wanted to force the churches to report everything in their Bible, and there was not a legal license. And when they determined that the churches or the ministries or the assemblies wouldn't report, they passed an illegal law that said the ministries had the report, which was totally in violation of the first uh, the First Amendment, and that the entire Constitution has been breached when they wrote the second Constitution uh, in 1871 of the cooperation. So you can take the standpoint that legally marriage license are illegal. You can take the standpoint that the Quran or the Mormon Bible or there are certain Bibles that reinforce multiple marriages 
or we could go back to someone who happens to be a pastor as myself and an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ that has degrees in theology would take the position that the replication of issues in the Bible for or against marriage came down to what happens in the New Testament when they start coming to the position that marriage had to be of one man and one woman and how the Tenth Commandment, even going back to the days of Moses, was in fact going through it. But there was people that uses the Bible that these were actually parables, and the parables were because people did not read, nor did they write, so there were people that were speaking and putting forth information that would go against the standards we would have in our ministries. Our problem in our ministries, again, and we go back to 1954 under the Johnson's Act, the federal government has totally breached the Constitution, and the federal government only has 18 responsibilities. And the letter that we just wrote to the president in regards to things that are being stated in the idea of the authority of the federal government of the uh, of, of Congress, the representatives in the state Senate, the, the responsibility of the uh, executive branch of the Supreme Court. When the Supreme Court overruled the state of Florida and said that homosexuality, uh, marriage between uh, one man and another or one woman and another, actually breached the Tenth, uh, the, uh, tenth Amendment, where the federal government had no authority, and the state of Florida said marriage is one man and one woman, uh, and that we are a Christian nation. September 2018, we wrote 17 articles, over 100 pages, covering the communist viewpoint and the viewpoint of not allowing uh, us to head in the direction we're supposed to. Uh, We can spend the entire evening You have a right to do what you want? Absolutely, you have a right. If you're a Christian, should your viewpoint be uh, different? If you think you understand the Constitution, if you understand the Bible and understand the Constitution is a replicant of the Bible, that's fine. If you don't understand the replicant of the two, it would become too argumentative. Um, Right, your uh, marriage in the Bible is legal. And if you went to the Supreme Court with that, you would end up winning your case that you did not do the legal writing uh, by going through somebody in a, in a courtroom that says, okay, now you can get married. Go ahead, uh, Robert. And did you want to uh, answer on that or comment on that, uh, Mark? And then we'll we'll go over to Dr. Silver and what he also wants to discuss tonight. Or. Um. My response to, again, to the New Testament is that every time I answer an argument, I will end up getting a new argument, and I want everyone to know the answers to all questions are available on biblicalpolygamy.com. Now, the idea that someone can verbalize out of their mouth the statement that the New Testament somehow creates an anti-polygamy perspective is not sola scriptura. It is simply a desire to repeat what someone else has told them to believe. The Bible does not tell that to you. If you study the Bible and read it as an evangelical, read it as a non-evangelical, read it as any individual, read it with the Spirit of God, read it without the Spirit of God. When you read it, 
The New Testament does not create that. The I've already previously referenced the three and only three one life verses of First Timothy three two, three twelve, and Titus one six. And those verses are only directed to the limitations of bishops, elders, and deacons, not to everybody else. And on top of that, that those verses, when you read when in the language they were originally written, says that the bishops, elders, and deacons must be the husband of their first wife, not their one wife, which means that they must not be divorced. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 7, we also have actually an example where a person is actually can be commanded to actually have to uh, be a polygamist. In the situation where uh, verses 10 to 11 it says that if a believer wife leaves her believer husband, the believer wife is commanded of God to either remain unmarried or be reconciled back to her husband. But the believer husband is commanded of God to not put away any wife and to let any departed wife return back to him. So that when we get to verses 27 and 28, where essentially the husband is actually still free to marry another wife, the fact is proved by this, ver- this verse passage of 27 to 28 in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. This is, Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a wife. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, meaning she's not someone else's wife, as the reference is there referring, she hath not sinned. So in other words, but, and if thou do marry, even so, thou hast not sinned. So the reality is, is that 1 Corinthians chapter 7 also does not create, but actually instead shows the opposite, shows a commandment where a man who may have had a wife leave him, and he goes, he's allowed to marry another, and if another, the wife comes back, he has to let her back, and that's actually a commandment of God in the New Testament for someone to actually be a polygamist. So the reality is, if you're going to be a sola scriptura, only the scripture is the basis for doctrine, then you absolutely, fundamentally cannot escape the absolute 100% fact that the Bible, that the New Testament never banned polygamy, never called it a sin. And that we have to remember also that Abraham and Israel were polygamists. And we know in Revelation that that the 12 tribes of Israel are on the four walls. And we know that, that fornicators and adulterers will not be in the heavens. And so that's for they cannot be either of those. They are not those sinners. And so the reality is this. If you believe in Sola Scriptura, the Bible is the basis for your Christian belief in the Bible and the belief in Christianity. And the Bible is the only source of doctrine for you, then the Bible never, never, never created the anti-polygamy doctrine. It never created the one-man, one-woman doctrine. That phrase itself does not appear in the Bible. That's the reality. That's the fact. So that's what I would encourage my fellow Christians to understand. That is what we need to understand. We are got to stop lying and being hypocrites ourselves. And that's the problem, and that's why, for the sake of truth, we have got to understand this. The Bible never created anti-polygamy doctrine, ever. Robert, uh, uh, Dr. Tolbert, the uh, okay. 1 Corinthians 7, 2, that he is trying to quote, which Paul says, each man shall have his own wife, does not pluralize, and each woman her own husband. 
and it becomes very argumentative, his interpretation versus a person of uh, scholarly background who reads the Bible and its standpoint. Uh, I'm only only. But you're quoting the passage with, where he says, "I speak by permission." He says, "I'm recommending." He, at the verse you're quoting is his recommendation. The verses I'm quoting, Paul says, "This is a commandment of the Lord." There's a difference. You have to read all of chapter seven. I'm not here to be yeah. argumentative. I'm here to be guiding and here to be helping. If you have yeah. any more questions, I would encourage you go to biblicalpolygamy.com and you'll see a wealth of knowledge there for you, my friend. Yeah, and I would suggest you go to creation.com and be argumentative with them because I'm not going to sit there and be argumentative with you. I think your but you position. you are being argumentative, my friend. You are. No, I you think, are being argumentative. Okay, well, 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 we're not going to, guys, guys, both, both you men, we're not going to have an argument here. I'm, I'm not. I, no, I don't allow that. I just, I don't. No, we're not. Gonna, we're not going. We're not. We're, we're. We're. It's coming back and forth on on here, and that's actually one of the re- things I I can't stand about other shows, and I can't stand about a lot of stuff on cable news. Is when two people go back and forth and just yell at you. No, not that you guys are yelling, but I mean, you know, going back and forth. We're, we're just not going to do that. I mean, my 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 suggestion, my recommendation uh, for both is, is is take each other's <laughs> take each other's suggestions. Is you know, one go to one website and read theirs, and you, you'll do it in the prism of your own uh, you know perspective. And then the you know the other person reads you know what the other person suggested and then leave it at that and I think that's where we're going to leave it. Again, we're not gonna, uh, I, I'm not going to have any type of you know of, of arguments here, so we'll just uh, we'll we'll leave it there um, for that. And so Mark, yeah. uh, no, yeah, you know, certainly uh, appreciate you, you having you on the show. Of course, we are going to uh, go over you know some other things. You're certainly welcome uh, to stay. Well, I'm sure we'll have you. Uh, back on, you know, because uh, I, I I personally find it's it's a fascinating subject, um, you know, I, and I do, you know, believe, you know, in in, in liberty and in, in freedom, you know, I I believe that it's not the I I do agree that the government should not be, uh, you know, doing morality, and if there is something, you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, le- morality is going to be legislated, let's say abortion or something of that nature. I think that that should be left up to the states. So in one state, you you know, if you want polygamy to be legal, well, then you let then let the people vote on it. If you want to have another state where, and I'm talking about referendums. So in one state, if you want it to be legal, you have the people vote on it, and the people vote on it, it's legal. If you don't, you know, uh, you know, of course you have to go through the process, petitions, things of that nature, and then you have another state, and if they want polygamy to be legal or they want abortion to be legal, and they say, nah, it's not going to be legal, well, then the people have spoken. And then, you know, if you want to have a vote on it every four years or something, then have the people vote on it. I know we are a representative, uh, you know, republic, demo- republic democracy, or democratic republic, uh, then leave it up to the people, leave it up to the state. Um, but you know, this is supposed to be the land of liberty, you know, free. We should be able to, as Mark pointed out, and this is where I think abortion is a different subject than uh, the polygamy. Is that you know what? You're not hurting someone. Abortion, I think, at least in my opinion, is different because someone actually is being physically, you know, killed. In my perspective of it. Um, 
But with this, I mean, if, if you're not just like, I mean, I don't, I mean, if a guy wants to be in my perspective, if a guy wants to be with a guy and a girl wants to be with a girl, that's the, that's their business. And if, you know, for those who are, are, are soulful or religious or, or, or godly folks or whatever you want to call it, and they think that's wrong, Hey, that's them. But what, so what someone else does, is it going to affect your soul? What you do, if you believe in those, it, it affects your soul. But what a, and that, that's my thing is if, if someone else is doing their, their thing, it's not going to affect your. It's not going to affect your spirit. It's not going to affect your soul any. Only what you do affects that. And we lost Doctor Tolbert. Uh, he, he, I guess you know, you know, we have him on the show. We always appreciate his input. And I know there was more things that that he wanted to discuss. But I mean, I, I certainly wasn't. You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to have arguments on 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 the show. And I, you know, and that's just something I I, I won't allow to have. Um, and he had something else he wanted to discuss. I was, you know, going to, uh, you know, just, just, just you know, have uh, open it up, but he, he's he's left uh, for the evening. So, you know, I apologize for that, folks. But you know, I mean, it, I mean, I didn't make him hang up, but I didn't ask him. He just decided to, um, Can to I do that. Can I respond real quick, um, Robert? Uh, yeah, go ahead, John. As long as we're not going to start any, art, you know, because I don't. I mean, I like. I, I don't mind debate, but when, when when it starts getting argumentative, I, I prefer not to do that. But go ahead, John. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate what you're just saying because I, I I particularly don't see it as arguing. I look at it from the standpoint people are challenging my particular position in order to test how much I really can bring to the table about what I know about it, and that's what I appreciated about Mark. And so much of the scripture and stuff that he bring it up. I'm not Mr. Know-it-all, and I don't know anybody that's Mr. Know-it-all. And we all got room to learn. But if we don't have these kind of deliberative um, civil discourse, which really pushes to the heart of these issues, then we're not going to heal America. Because part of the reason why we have these problems in America is for the very reason that we were having these discussions in the sense that as long as these people are in office or other people outside of office says it's okay for them to take our money from us and then spend it on their agenda. It's just, it's the same difference as, as, you know, a wealthy person wants to dangle carrots in front of all the girls and steal everybody else's woman. So, I mean, we're going to still have those struggles about the, the, how to rightly discern and decide how we move forward on these issues. And we have to talk about them, but I want to do it in a in a loving and caring means, but also still challenge the narrative, because we all still need to grow past this in order to get the foundation solid again. But thank you very much. I appreciate Mark. I hope you come back. You got a lot to offer, and I'm still learning, and I'd love to keep learning. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just uh, multitasking. I'm re- responding to, to to other folks <laughs> on on chats and texts, <laughs> and I get messages throughout the show. Um, so I do a little multitasking. Yeah, there. Um, yeah. So we. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, uh, you know, we did uh, lose Dr. Tolbert. He said he he stated that his, his line got uh, disconnected. You know, hopefully he'll come on next week and, and, and talk about what he what he, what he wanted to. But uh, and next week uh, is the day before Halloween, so be well, who knows what the the conversation will be about <laughs> next next Wednesday. But we do have uh, coming on this uh, real quick. Uh, we do have next week uh, on the show. Uh, we do have uh, Lieutenant Governor 
coming on uh, for, for Florida, uh, former Lieutenant Governor coming on on the 6th. Um, and so we'll, uh, we'll be looking forward to having her on uh, on the show. Uh, and so look forward to that on November the, um, the 6th. And so, uh, well, you know, we've got about you know, 20, no, about about 30 minutes for us to definitely, uh, you know, close things out for this evening. So, I mean, we can continue on uh, with our current discussion or we can move on to anything else. Um, so, Suzette, we haven't heard from you for a little bit. Did you want to chime anything in and, uh, on, you know, anything uh, we've discussed so far? Um, I I'm good. I, for the most part, I would just like to say that um, I think more people should have uh, a view of uh, what liberty uh, truly means and uh, and go from there because we can't just say we're free and um, that we have liberty in our country as far as our rights go. And so we need to look into that and see what liberty really is. And, and once you find out, then you can support um, the... the um, this person's group or right to do what he wants to do and anybody else for that matter as long as they're not hurting anyone and that's it other than that i'm ready for a new topic uh mark did you want to you know make any closing comments before we you know we'll spend probably the next uh not quite half hour on on just you know current events uh, i wanted to just basically say that i really did appreciate both john and suzette specifically uh in both Suzette talking about uh, the defense of liberty and John talking about uh, the call for us to have positive discourse to learn and grow from each other. I I found both conversations uh, very well. Uh, Dr. Colbert, I am familiar with this type of argumentation. I've been doing this for over 25 years and I've encountered every one of these arguments already. And I understand how the challenge takes place with that. And I... uh, I'm used to it suddenly going from the argument to being about now me being said to being being argumentative. So that suddenly I become the issue. So I understand how that you get happens, and and, I, and I'm empathetic to Dr. Colbert because it certainly is something that's different. It is something that I I find very. I have to have a heart of compassion for my fellow Christians because I recognize that it is such a meaty truth that it is something that if you've spent many years being told one thing, then suddenly what I'm presenting is saying that all that has been told to you before was wrong. And that's very difficult for anybody to endure. And I get that. And I have compassion for my fellow Christians when it comes to learning and understanding that and encountering this, especially for the first time. And so that's why I am also appreciative of Dr. Colbert's participation in this event. I have enjoyed speaking with everybody here. I am glad for the opportunity, and I want to thank you, Robert, specifically for bringing me back here. Uh, You've given me the – I'm now actually going to keep calling it the no dog in the fight argument (laughs) position, and you've given (laughs) – You've caused me to stumble upon that as a soundbite that I will now deliberately use, and I thank you for that as well. And this has been a very good experience, and I appreciate appreciate, uh, you inviting me back. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I definitely want to get updates. If you have any updates on how things are going, certainly, you know, reach out to me 
Uh, and, and I definitely like to have you on, even if it's just for a little bit to have, of course, you're welcome to be on longer, but I mean, if you just want to come on just to give us updates, because it is something that now personally, I, I'd like to see it be either, you know, whether legalized or de decriminalized or whatever, because I think, I mean, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think as you, as you pointed out, you know, consenting adults, you know, should be able to do what the heck that they want. I mean, I, you know, I don't, as long as it's not hurting anyone else, hurting anyone else. I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, I mean, I, I, and frankly, to be honest, I don't, I don't have a, a moral standing in any of it. <laughs> to be honest. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so I, I hope you're, you know, you're able to, to, to have success with, you know, with what your goals are with that, because I, you know, you know, again, I mean, we we are supposed to be, you know, the, the freest country in the world, and and if you really think about it, and really look, actually, not even think about it, uh, we're, we're really not. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I understand Correct. that the, you know, the different. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, I just was saying well, truth. Yeah, and so I mean, and I do believe, you know, there's objective truth, and I think the objective truth that I see here is liberty. The objective truth is freedom. Uh, the freedom to be able to do people to associate uh, the way they want, and if their association is not violent, if their association is not hurting other people, um, then their association. What I mean here is, if they want to, you know, practice polygamy, then then so be it. They should have the right, in my opinion, according to the Constitution, to be able to do that. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and and I say that the subject encompasses all of those, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And for the laws to be as they are, um, that they're actually going against the, comp uh, the Constitution and the tenements of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I definitely well, wish you luck, and I hope you, you know, you're able to get success in that. And again, I certainly hope uh, to get some updates. Uh, for that, because I mean, I, I, you know, there's other topics that uh, I, I think are important when it comes to liberty, and, and those are, um, you know, life topics as well um, that we'll be talking about, you know, on future shows. I am sure they're, they're, they're topics that I would, you know, I want to, you know, talk about, to be honest. So, uh, Mark, I mean, you know, again, you are uh, welcome to uh, stay out for the, the remainder of the show to talk about, you know, some of the current events. And, of course, uh, the current events we're going to be talking about here um, is, of course, uh, what's going on with uh, the politics of the day. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've got, of course, here from the Bards Logic Political Talk website, you know, uh, a, a number of uh, – Articles here, and you know what we'll do is uh, we'll go uh, ladies first here. And uh, speaking of strong women, we're gonna let Suzette. Uh, I've got to know. I'm gonna read off just the, the title of a couple of the articles we could go over. And since we don't got a lot of time to go over um, all of them, maybe just one and have discussion of that. We'll uh, uh, we'll we'll let you choose between this. It said um, uh, Elizabeth Warren saying transgender border crossers must be released into the United States. We also have top Republican Sauer on Lindsey Graham. He never actually does anything. Um, we could talk about Nadler in 1998 accusing GOP of running a lynch mob against Clinton. Uh, we can also talk about, uh, say, uh, the article Representative McCarthy, Pelosi is failing to meet basic standards of due process. Or we could talk about, uh, no, the Biden-Ukraine story is not a conspiracy, and those are the top articles on the Bard's Logic uh, Political Talk newsroom at www.bardslogic.com. 
politicaltalk.com. So which one of those topics do you want to maybe discuss first, uh, Suzette? Um, let's take the Elizabeth Warren thing, transgender, and what the uh, <laughs> that's what the article has to Why say. Why not, yeah, since we're talking about people with different, uh, you know, I guess, uh, dare say lifestyles. It says, um, and this is actually the uh, the premiere. Uh, now, sometimes I pick out what the uh, what the top what some of the articles are in the newsroom, and sometimes uh, I have it generated, uh, depending on my time. And th- this one somehow got to the top of the list, and it was I, and it was actually pre-generated. So uh, this is the one I picked at the top of the list, but it's there. So this is the one they picked. <laughs> well, maybe because she's at the top of the. I guess it might be the most likely uh, Democrat candidate. But Elizabeth Warren, transgender border crossers must be released into the U.S. So Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat uh, Massachusetts, a leading 2020 Democrat presidential candidate, says transgender border crossers and illegal aliens must be released into the United States. Warren, with Senator Tammy Baldwin, another Democrat uh, here from uh, Wisconsin, sent a letter to the Department of Homeland Security where she demands that transgender border crossers and illegal aliens be released into the United States rather than being held in Mexico under President Trump's Remain in Mexico policy. While in detention, transgender migrants and asylum seekers are particularly vulnerable to sexual harassment, discrimination, and abuse, Warren writes in the letter. The United States should protect individuals fleeing persecution and targeted violence, including prosecution or persecution based on gender identity or expression, not subject them to further harm. Uh, trans migrants and asylum seekers are particularly vulnerable, uh, Warren wrote on Twitter. We must end unnecessary detention and enforce strict standards to keep trans migrants – wow, that's a term I'm just now hearing uh, – trans migrants. Okay. Uh, and it's not transversing, and it's not you know transversing Mexico or the or the uh, uh, middle. Uh, I'm sorry, Central America to come here. These trans migrants, it has to do with their sexual identity. I, I threw that in out the article. And it says, and asylum seekers safe. I'll continue holding our government accountable when they fail to do so. The demand for transgender border crossers to be released into the United States interior is the latest case Warren has made for open borders while on the campaign trail. Most recently, Warren outlined a plan to provide back pay to all illegal aliens who were determined to have been underpaid or unpaid for previous work, uh, Breitbart News reported. Likewise, Warren has said that the border crossers must not be unnecessarily detained and instead freed into the interior of the U.S. and has claimed that driving up foreign competition – in the labor market by providing amnesty to 11 million to 22 million illegal aliens is good for American workers. The Warren has taken populist nationalist stance on various economic policies. Her plan to support more immigration to the U.S. is a key component of the globalist agenda supported by the nation's donor class. So interesting. So uh, since you wanted to pick that topic, uh, well, we've got a new term here. Uh, uh, a trans migrant. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to laugh. I really don't. But just all the monikers that we have for people anymore, it's just it's like, <laughs> man, how do you keep track of them all? But go, but go ahead. No, I hear you. I hear you. Well, I mean, what are they going to come up with next? Good grief. I mean, that's a good one, trans migrant. Trans migrant. That doesn't even work, really, when you think about it. But, uh, yeah, so I just think that um, these 
presidential candidates on the left side, you know, they talk about uh, on CNN and MSNBC about these candidates um, having different agendas and what the American people will go for. And it's like, what, are you listening to the same debates and speeches and stuff that all Americans are listening to to know that they all have the same direction that they're going in, maybe just different ways to get there and little squabbles about um, some details. But for the most part, they're, they have all the same agenda, which is mind-blowing to me because you would think that somebody would be differentiate themselves, and I guess this must be Liz Warren's uh, differential as far as uh, advocating for them to come through. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I understand maybe they may be persecuted in other countries. I guess that would qualify them for asylum. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I can't think of um, any other way possible that it would contribute positively to the country. Um, no, yeah. I, I'm, that's it. <laughs> Back to you, Robert. <laughs> well, I know it's true. I mean, it's like, you know, I think, I mean, if you think about it, you know, now they're just, they're a protected, protected class because not only are they a illegal immigrant, which are protected, you know, from the sanctuary cities, now they are doubly protected because not, now not are they only a, uh, Illegal immigrant. They're also a transgender, so that gives them two things that should make them uh, protected. I mean, it just come on. I mean, I mean, in the country that's supposed to be all men and slash women are created equal, then how come some people are more protected than others? I mean, I you know what? I am a five foot six white American male, and I'm pro- you know we're probably the most discriminated people in all the United States as short men. Because I tell you what, but you know what, you don't hear me complaining. And we're a, we're a minority, you know. Any any of us five nine or shorter, we're we're in the minority. So maybe short men should be protected by some kind of I don't know. You have to give us a raise all the time or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so I'm saying that kind of tongue in cheek. Um, so I mean, anyone anyone else yeah. here on on our panel here that uh, would like to chime in on that? I'll let Mark go first, but I do. What's that? I said, Mark. Yeah, we're just. They just. Uh, John, open up the floor if if you want to make any any comments on the article. Or I know with with the uh, the position that uh, you know, you're in, some things you may want to be like, yeah, I'm just going to have hands off on that one. But uh, but we are in what we call Bard's yeah. Logic after dark. So sometimes we like to have a little fun here. <laughs> Uh, I didn't realize you were even going to welcome me back. I thought that was more of a, an audience on the show. <laughs> oh, no, if you want Sorry to chime in, that. you're welcome to chime in on it or just listen, whichever you prefer. I see. Well, I'll let John speak on this one. I'll, I'll pay more attention. <laughs> <laughs> Very diplomatic of you there, Mark. Go ahead, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, to me, this goes to a root issue about immigration in itself and how it reflects on how we actually love one another through our constitution. First Timothy 5.8, if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So me, number one, I say, well, all the homeless Americans that are already legal United States citizens who are being deprived of their proper representation by their congressmen and senators and their 
president and any of the other bureaucrats. They've actually just nullified them as citizens and denied them the right to have their own pursuit of happiness, you know, represented, enacted, codified, and ratified in governing. So, therefore, they are violating the Constitution by allowing these people to come into America when the very our own citizens are on the public dole, and then we, our taxpayers, have to pay that public dole when our very own citizens who are on the public dole or the ones that are, you know, homeless, living under the bridges in the shelters, and they don't have – they're not on the public dole. They have a first right of getting their will represented in the rule of law. Before we let one more immigrant into our country, so we got to get out from under our own debt and start respecting all of the rest of our citizens' right to equally govern by mutual assent under the rule of law. Otherwise, it's just the rule of man deceitfully masquerading under the color of law, therefore nullifying your right to self-govern and be a free person. You've been relegated to a legislative slave. Thank you so very much. Back to you, Rob. Okay. Now, is there? Um, you know, we've, we've got. Well, shoot, we, we don't have a lot of uh, a lot of time. So, I guess at this point, I'll see what um, what I'd like to pick out here. Uh, let's see. Here. Okay. Yeah, this is what I want to. This is what I want to talk. Um, let's see how long the article is because I know we don't got a lot of time. Um, <laughs> oh darn it! This is a long one. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't have time to <laughs> read that article. But uh, this one that I wanted to read about uh, is uh, uh, scrolling up. Uh, my gosh, it was a long article. Let's take some time just to scroll up to the top. No, the Biden-Ukraine story is not a conspiracy theory, and that's a recent article from uh, October fifteenth. That's the one I, I really wanted to get to. Um, but again, I mean it's. It's kind of a longer one, so we unfortunately we don't have, uh, you know, don't have time for that. Um, well, let's see here. Well, here's one. Uh, well, this this one might be interesting. It says, uh, "Holy crap!" And it doesn't say crap. It says the other word for crap. Um, <laughs> um, it says, uh, and this is from uh, the Patriot, uh, the DCPatriot.com. It says, holy crap, but the other word, uh, Ukraine parliament member says Hunter Biden hired uh, for protection. It says, uh, according to the former Ukrainian parliament member, the Ukrainian gas company – oh, you know what? There was something I wanted to talk about. There was an article that I shared. Uh, actually, it's, it's an article I shared with you guys uh, in, in TEP, so definitely read that, but um, – it's about uh, some other connections with uh, Burisma and the guy who recently uh, testified to the to Congress, the Taylor guy, and how he actually has he actually has uh, some kind of connections to a, the think tank uh, that is uh, monetarily supported by uh, Burisma. Uh, so you might you might want to check that out. But anyway, it says the Ukrainian gas company Burisma Holdings hired former President Joe Biden's son Hunter Biden for protection. Um, oh, oh, geez. Alexander Onychesno, sorry if I mispronounced that, uh, the Ukrainian businessman revealed that Hunter Biden was hired by Burisma founder Makula Lovatsky because the company was being accused of massive corruption and they wanted to be protected by the vice president's son. 
It was to protection the company, whatever his name said, on Friday. The Bidens have been in a hot seat in the past month after the House Democrats started an impeachment inquiry into President Trump over a phone call the president had with the president of Ukraine. During an interview last week, Hunter Biden sat down with ABC's Amy Robach to discuss overseas business dealings and how they're related to his father. Hunter Biden denied any wrongdoing in regards to his overseas business. However, he did admit it was poor judgment to the association and U- associations with Ukraine and China. In retrospect, uh, look, I think it was poor judgment on my part, the younger Biden said, is that I think that it was poor judgment because I don't believe now when I look back at it, I know that there was – did nothing wrong at all. However, it was poor judgment to be in the middle of something that w- that is in a swamp in a way, many ways. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I had a hard time reading that because none of it made sense when he ta- said it. <laughs> so I take full responsibility for that, he continued. Uh, did I do anything improper? Not, no, not in any way. Not in any way whatsoever. Did I make a mistake based on some – uh, elliptical laughs, absolutely not. Uh, this story is developing, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so that makes an interesting spin uh, on things. Uh, whereas, hmm, so they did it for protection, uh, which I find uh, interesting since, uh, and then it being that, you know, the prosecutor looking to that uh, got fired after Biden uh, requested it. <laughs> So, uh, but I do uh, unfortunately see what time uh, it is. Uh, we only got about nine minutes uh, before uh, I have to close things out for the night. So, I certainly appreciate everyone coming on the show. Looking forward to seeing you uh, next week and you know, the weeks beyond. Uh, and so, what I'd like to do is uh, give some final thoughts, some final comments uh, for folks. And each person's got a couple minutes to do so. So, you don't have to feel rushed uh, to get your final comments out. Uh, so first, we will start with you, Suzette, and then John, and then we'll leave uh, those final comments up to you, Mark, and then I'll close things out, and then we'll move forward. So go ahead, Suzette. I still see in there, Suzette. You still with us? I hear, I hear, I hear shuffling, but that's all I hear. So let's go ahead and bring it over to you. Uh, Let's go ahead and bring it over to you, John. Okay, definitely. We want to keep everything in perspective. Everything I say is just my opinion and the suggestion. If we want to look out for our own constitution, we have to look look out for holding up our rights and privileges to our fellow man. Otherwise, we are not deserving of them ourselves. And so in considering that, be careful to be wise and learn from other people because the, all this immigration stuff is nothing but a, taunt, a, a scam in order to keep us divided so the wealthy oligarchy can continue to manipulate control of us. And that's why all of the digital technology coming forward is actually going to make it worse. And so then they can push us into our extreme corners and keep us divided and conquered while they sit in their marble towers or their marble houses, and they use us as little pawns. So you've got to get some backbone if you don't already have it. If you do have it or you want some, then come on to this show and get in touch with the people that are doing some things. And we've got to figure out how to move forward together in unity. And I hope everybody gets a copy of the podcast. And if you didn't hear um, 
Rob go off the hook and really lambast it and get, <laughs> go back two weeks and listen to Rob his passion and let us know. Back to you, Rob. Yeah, I did have a rant a couple of weeks ago. Um, after that um, poll that came out, that was kind of BS uh, about um, you know about more people wanting Trump to get impeached and and, and kicked out. But yeah, that, that was two weeks ago. So if you want to listen to that, certainly uh, yeah, certainly give us um, give a listen. So it looks, sounds like we got a decent amount of uh, time for you, Mark. If you want to make any closing comments or anything, uh, you're certainly welcome to do so. Go ahead. Well, I appreciate that. I have really appreciated being invited back to the show. I've invited, I've appreciated the conversations, and I appreciate this last moment as well that you have given me here. It's interesting. The topics that you brought up afterwards is are examples of the kind of obnoxiousness that has us so divided that John was a. Uh, so uh, well putting as well uh, in stating the fact that it just keeps making everybody angry and creating division among us that it is so much noise and the idea that uh, you know the issue with the president and you know well was was he the one that's supposedly doing the impeachable offense or was he going after corruption uh, from the vice president and son you know it, it's we're so focused on all this division and divisiveness and actually doing the work of the people and actually doing uh, things that need to uh, actually be done. Uh, certainly, I agree that uh, anyone who has done high crimes and misdemeanors is someone that would need to be uh, you know, under, the, under an impeachment. But the process of impeachment requires an actual authority of having done that, and no vote has actually been taken place to create it. So this invented idea of an impeachment inquiry is just a new fiction that's just been created. Now, I am I'm not a never-Trumper. I am not a for-Trumper. I, uh, I, I definitely recognize that you know, you know, he is a whole different animal altogether. He is basically chief negotiator, and he considers himself as his book – uh, the art of the deal, and so he's all based on what he'll do and say anything that will work toward whatever he's trying to negotiate for whatever type of thing. And, uh, definitely, that is not always in line with constitutionalism for sure, and, and on that. But at the same time, I also know that he is all constantly being uh, misrepresented and false, uh, falsely stated by media and, and oppositions of the tribalisms that we see. So it's constant fighting, constant noise, back and forth, all the time all the time, and we're not actually able to address real issues. And that's why I do appreciate when opportunities like this where I can come on and have an actual conversation with individuals and talk with people about the plight for UCAP, Unrelated Consenting Adult Polygamy, and help people understand the issues, and that you don't have to be a Mormon. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to be any other type of religion. You can even be secular. You do not even have to be a polygamist to understand the issue of liberty and the threat it is, is that is imposed upon polygamists is a threat that eventually can be imposed upon others as well. If you really stand for liberty, you must stand for all. And I really, really like the way John had put it earlier about how you know I stand for you and you stand for me for our, our equal liberty. And I absolutely agree with that. Excuse me. And I thought he had said that very well. I just asked people oh. out there. It what? No, go ahead. I just asked. Okay, I I just asked people out there. 
you don't have to be a polygamist. I'm not asking you to be a polygamist. But understand, we're just talking about unrelated consenting adults asking to be free, as the Constitution already says we're supposed to be. If you want more information, you can find me at nationalpolygamyadvocate.com, nationalpolygamyadvocate.com. You can also search National Polygamy Advocate for podcasts. Uh, I've got a podcast for that as well, Archives of Media History. There's numerous ways to find me, certainly Mark Henkel, H-E-N-K-E-L, that's K-E-L, that's Henkel, Mark Henkel. You can find me one way or another, you'll find me. And uh, you can find the National Polygamy Rights Movement for Consenting Adults, and we're just asking for freedom. That's all we're asking. We're not asking to impose on you. We're not even asking for legalization. We propose a polygamy rights win-win solution to abolish all marriage control for unrelated consenting adults, then everyone's free. The left is free. The right is free. Everybody's free, and it's not based on tribalism but based on liberty and freedom for all. And that's all I'm asking. Thank you, and I appreciate you, Robert, for welcoming me back to your show. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's early. Was that Suzette? Yes, hi. I couldn't get my stupid phone to unmute. It got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. And then after closing, I've got uh, a minute. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to, to get in touch with uh, Mark Darris because I'd like to have him on my show. That's it. Okay, great. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got the email, and I can uh, you know forward over his email address to you if, if, if you're amenable to that, uh, Mark. Sure. Yes. Okay, great. great thank okay. you. Well, then, well, I appreciate everyone coming on. Uh, we'll have to close things out uh, uh, for this evening and, you know, look forward to hear from everybody and certainly want to hear more, uh, you know, about the updates for that because, you know, again, it is something that I personally would like to see, you know, as, as well just because, you know, the, the freedom. And, hey, who knows, maybe one day I would like to have another, you know. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you know what, why not? I think, uh, I, I, think uh, I'm, you know, I can do it. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think I'm one of those uh, those good enough men, as Mark described, uh, to be able to be able to do that. But anyway, I will uh, close out. So, speaking of women, I will close out tonight as I do every night, and that is by the song from Aubrey Ashburn. And you can still hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Even though she's taken a different artist, uh, artistic turn, and as she's now doing art uh, instead of music, but uh, enjoy the song. We'll see you next time. Uh, thank you again, and good night. Mm-hmm.